right, hello, this is Phil from the No Guts, No Galaxy podcast, letting everyone know, welcome to another town hall meeting with Russ Bullock, president of Piranha Games and creators of Mecha Online. Quick shout out to everyone who is helping behind the scenes tonight, Wink Wink, uh, Wingbreaker, Zeese, and a few others, thank you so much, Deadfire, <clears throat> and including, uh, you know, all the NGNG crew members behind the scenes, thank you so much for taking the time out of your night. Also, a quick shout out to you, joining us live plenty of people there we hope you enjoy the discussions and look forward uh to the future of mwo i'm joined tonight by darren ak bombadil how are you doing darren hey how you doing i'm doing great excited for another town hall uh thank you very much and i'd also like to extend a thank you to Wingbreaker and zeese and everybody that's helping out behind the scenes uh with the preparation and execution of this and previous town hall meetings thank you guys totally totally appreciate it and of course, all of you out there in the live stream, thank you for being here. We appreciate that as well. Uh, Russ has joined us tonight to discuss various topics within MWO, including the new battle mechs that people are guessing at already, maps, community warfare, battle mechs, gameplay, and much more based on all of the questions that were submitted by you, the community. And yes, there were a lot of questions. We've gathered well over 15 pages of questions from you over the last few days, and we'll get to as many of them as we can. For the most part, they're listed in the order that they were received, and then by relevance and freshness. There are always uh, a lot of repeat and overlapping questions, and we're limited by time, usually somewhere around two hours. So if we don't get to your question, please understand, and hopefully we'll get to yours next time. Although we may take some questions from live chat, most will be coming from the forum thread. Uh, that being said, Russ has agreed to do a quick live chat Q&A towards the end of the meeting. So if your question doesn't get answered before then, you'll have another chance then. Uh, so tonight's chat will be moderated, so please uh, keep it civil. Don't be rude. And without further ado, let's get started. How are you doing tonight, Russ? Doing really good. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here for another town hall. Yeah, for sure. Welcome back. Um, you'd mentioned before we get started, you had a few words you wanted to uh, discuss regarding the recent hotfix or the the, uh, the hotfix. Yeah, I guess I wanted to mention quickly that we have um, a hot fix. Uh, you know, we already had one. Yes. Uh, and now there's another one coming. Basically, there was some difficulty introduced. I'm going to blame the, uh, the beloved Urban Mac here. Um, we had to do some code changes to make sure the 360 rotation worked. And um, that required, I guess, a little bit, just a little bit of deeper changes on the... Uh, the way torso rotation works and didn't expect some of these kind of knock-on kind of issues to show up but there's going to be either there's a post already or there'll be a post put up tomorrow um, when the hotfix does go out um, that kind of explains the benefit the side benefit of why we made um, these changes and there's going to be there's going to be more flexibility for us when it comes to uh, kind of the linking of the torso twisting um, aspect of mechs and I don't know enough about it I'm not going to try and explain it here right now but um, there's some positiveness to it why we kind of not only made it work for the urban mech but also I think it will provide more flexibility in the future around the torso twisting with mechs and you know kind of differences between mechs so that's kind of why uh, we had some you know some knock-ons and uh, we figured out a number of the other ones in fact let me bring up my email here Looks like tomorrow we're going to have a – it's scheduled for 11 a.m. Um, and that contains – just looking for it. So the, you know, the oversteering or overturning issue that you guys are experiencing 
Um, the arm locks. Arm lock turns off uh, temporarily when centering legs. You know when you press and hold F, that's fixed. And then um, a couple other ones unrelated to that. Faction chat will now automatically scroll properly when first viewing it. Right now it doesn't really refresh properly until you actually go in there and wiggle it and stuff. Um, and then there's a, actually a crash uh, related to VoIP has been fixed. So we're going to push all those um, all those out at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Well, that is good news. Good to hear. And uh, we'll be looking forward to that tomorrow. VoIP has been fun, but uh, we'll get on. I don't. I guess we can't uh, do tangents right now. Let's get into these questions. There's so many of them. Um, and we're going to start off with one that we had lots of chatter about because, well, the graphic for this town hall kind of hinted at something. Um, Mackie. People like Mackie. <laughs> yes, the Mackie. Uh, people like Snowfox, Snow who said that profile looks like a gladiator, aka executioner. Thoughts? And uh, on him, on one M. Uh, speculation is that the next clan mech pack will be mask based and possibly consist of the Fire Moth or Arctic Cheetah, Shadow Cat, Cauldronborn, Executioner. Can you confirm the details of the next clan pack? There are a lot of these questions, so um, I'm just gonna. Sorry for everybody else that got left out. Uh, Russ, comments? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd love to announce that right now. I'm very excited about it. Um, We'll have to do some investigation into moles. I swear there's people that have like alt accounts that leak this shit. So um, that's annoying, but uh, you know, you guys are good at guessing. And obviously we knew you'd get the the silhouette as soon as we put it up. So that's, that's obvious. Um, we have a new clan pack that is going to be launched for sale tomorrow. So the, the usual process, um, one, it's it's a clan pack. It's four uh, max, so it's like wave two, but um, this is going to have a wave three designation, of course. And the mechs are, you basically just listed them. You got the uh, executioner slash gladiator, right? Is that I, yes, sometimes that is, the IS clan naming gets weird. Yes. And and this this pack is particularly bizarre because apparently a couple of them, uh, the IS and clan shared the same name, so it was creating weirdness when we created the package. So you got the executioner, um, you've got the cauldron born slash Ebon Jaguar and the shadow cat and the Arctic cheetah. Boom. So there you have it. And yes, I believe what two of them are mask related shadow cat and, uh, the executioner, right? That's correct. So we will create mask for this update. Um, Right now, there's a, be a caveat, and you'll see the caveat in the order page, too. We don't know exactly how masks is going to behave. We have high hopes that we'll get it to behave fairly closely to what you might expect, you know, a translation of tabletop and, you know, burst speed with some sort of trade-off. But we just don't know yet. There might be some technical limitations. So, you know, I don't think mask in particular is make or break for these mechs. But we're going to definitely do our best to make sure that whatever the engine can support and the game can support, that we'll have the best, you know, the best interpretation of mask that we possibly can. So, you know, I wouldn't buy the package with any perceived, you know, preconceived notion of what exactly how mask is going to function in MechWarrior Online. Just knowing that we'll do our best with the mask functionality. So it is kind of cool that we'll finally bring that into the game. And obviously, I think these are four really great mechs. And 
again, I'm not going to announce anything else here tonight as far as exactly what variants. I'll let the uh, the page that goes up tomorrow do that. Timing on the page is not exact tomorrow, but I would guess around noon Pacific time. Um, that'll be the target, perhaps earlier, but um, we're hoping for at least noon Pacific time. Uh, pricing. I know this is important because there's been some talk like, you know, equalize the pricing across the clan and sphere. I can't do that at this point. Um, the pricing will be the same. It'll be the same as wave two, wave one. So 30, 60, 90, 120, same as the past clan packages. And there's very good reason for that. I mean, there's people that bought a lot of clan wave two, a lot of clan wave one, and all the way up to Masakari packages under that pricing model. And it's all based on a C bill to MC ratio, technology ratio, et cetera. And all the clan max are about 30% more expensive in game on C bills and MC and all that, all that stuff. And there's just too much history there. Um, if we were to change something, it'll be more all inclusive, right? I, I'm not at a point now where I'm going to launch clan wave three for a lower price point and then immediately receive pressure to lower wave two, wave one. And then the guys who bought yesterday, the week before, and the week before that say, well, can you, you know, can you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's too much. It's too complicated. There's reasons for why they are what they are. Um, so that's the pricing. Uh, I know that was going to come up, um, but the value is still good. It's still as good as it's always been. The packages always represent the best value. Yes, we'll have a la carte, just like Wave 2, to a maximum of two per purchases, like, because, you know, a la carte doesn't make a lot of sense. Honestly, it's for the odd person that only wants the heavy or only wants the assault. But otherwise, it's far better value to buy a tier of a package for all the freebies, all the extra stuff that you get for that. Um, I do want to announce that uh, we are going to have a brand new early adopter program. And I think it's the best early, adop early adopter program we've ever had. So... This early adopter program is kind of tied into the monthly rewards. You know, we have the monthly rewards, and the first month is always the, you know, the best. And that's we're going to have that again. But the first one is called the early adopter reward, and that goes from essentially tomorrow's announcement, the 20th, until February 28th, so just eight days. And that one, it's not premium time and all those sort of things. That's, you know, month two or whatever. That'll be March. February, those eight days in February, the early adopter reward is actually to receive a fourth variant uh, for free. So if you get the top tier package, you're going to get a fourth variant of all four mechs for free. And as you've seen, you know, the MC prices, what they're on the store, that's a really big value. I mean, that can be uh, an additional 25%, you know, value on your money right there. So if you're able to purchase in February, then you actually get, you're going to end up with, again, four times three is 12. It's actually four times four with the fourth branch. So 16 mechs, um, bonus, four bonus mechs at the top package. If you buy the lowest tier package, you just want the Arctic Cheetah, you're still going to get, you know, the fourth variant of the Arctic Cheetah for free. Again, that's for people that buy in February. And then come March, it'll be kind of the standard marches, 30 days premium time, you know, et cetera. Um, faction packs will work the same way as basically Clan Wave 2 did. Um, you, you'll, we're going to provide the, uh, the, you know, the clan factions and you'll get up to four choices with the top 
package, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so on. Very exciting. So I think um, I think Clan Wave Three is. Um, I don't think it's gonna be well received. It's four great mechs, and I think again, them the best uh, early adopter programs we've ever had, in my opinion. Comments. <laughs> well, look, can I also just sort of say I have seen the the concepts for this, and uh, I was telling people to be hyped. I think uh, it is probably the Cauldron Born is probably one of the sexiest mechs as far as concepts that I've seen, uh, which pains me because it should be the Timberwolf. But just saying, the Cauldronborn is it looks fantastic. So I just wanted to preface that. Yeah, Phil, thanks. You reminded me of something I should bring up. So there is kind of a bit of a special reason for having the early adopter program. Uh, although it's not much of one, admittedly, because I don't think there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, have a great fear that the concept images are going to suck, right? I mean, Alex does a great job with the concept. So, but when we announce, when we, re, you know, put the packages up for sale tomorrow, you're only going to have two concept images available. I believe, I'm not even positive about this, frankly. It's been so busy here. I think it's the Executioner and the Caldenborn. Is that right, Phil? You've seen them? Yes. Yeah. So, reason for that is, I really hummed and hawed for a long time what this next package would be. For a while, I thought maybe we'd try, in a, in a post-community warfare world, we'd try to do both a kind of a mixture, inner sphere and clans, and I debated a lot of things. And without getting into all of it, I decided finally it should be a clan pack, and it was time. You know, we need more clan mechs, we need more, more of those mechs out there, and, and it was time for that. And so a lot of the concepts that we already had completed in the bag our inner sphere ones, you know, we've got uh, quite a few. We've got the Mauler and the Black Knight and a and a number of uh, inner sphere concept sketches ready to go. So that's good news, and we'll get there eventually. So I'll be excited about that. But um, in this case, we didn't really have much made clans. So once I decided what the mechs were going to be, um, Alex had to kind of start over. So that put us a little bit behind as far as when we wanted to announce and release this. So I guess it's a little bit of a sign of saying, look, if you're, in, we're going to have two upon release. You'll probably see a third one by the end of the month. And then maybe two weeks into March, you'll see the last concept image. So those that have the faith in that buy early and adopt, you know, early and buy into in February uh, without seeing all the concept images um, is why we have, I think, such a special early adopter program. All right. Now, <clears throat> you mentioned mask and that it's coming. Um, now, obviously, live chat popped up all over the place with this, um, as in previous town hall meetings. Does this is this any sort of confirmation on the flea? No, this is not confirmation of the flea in any way, in any way, shape, or form. All right, Phil has the next question. All right, uh, the next question is from Lily. Um, this is sort of already answered, but it's basically why is there no clan reinforcement package? That's pretty much what you you're doing right now wave three so instead of calling it um you know reinforcement you're calling it wave three obviously so we're just going to go ahead and move on to the next question uh, let me preface this this wasn't uh wolf hagen's exact wording um i again i we wanted to include everybody's questions but he wolf hagen didn't really pose it as a question so uh phil if you don't mind i'm just going to kind of paraphrase unless you want to go ahead and do, do that it. actually go all right. Well, anyway, Wolfhagen basically had a problem with the choice of the executioner for the next clan assault. 
Um, his argument was that after you have the jump jets on there, all the jump jets mask, which is high tonnage, eight or nine tons or something like that, tabletop, of course, and a big engine, it won't have enough hard points left to, to be useful, in his opinion. Uh, he wants to know why a more useful clan assault wasn't picked, such as a Turkina, uh, Blood, Blood Asp, or Savage Coyote. I want to just real quick, for your, for your sake, Russ, two of those are way out of the timeline, so that's why I'm two of them. But anyway, any comments? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, we do look at timeline still. I think that you guys have noticed now, we basically extended our timeline availability up to 3052. Um, when we did this, not all of these are 3052, but I think uh, we discussed when we discussed that we we said you know basically anything up to 3052 is on side now, so that means we can start looking at the 2C stuff and everything like that as well, which is good. Um, anything beyond that, we're you know we're not there yet. We're going to deal with everything up to 3052 first. Um, other than that, I just I don't I just you know I don't want to get in an argument about it, but I'm just not that interested in only looking at mechs as if they are in you know useful from a full you know full-on you know comp perspective and available pod space and that kind of mentality i mean you never know where the game's gonna go we've seen what can happen with quirks we've seen things change um we've made some even though quirks is always a hotly contested subject we've seen mechs that were previously thought to be garbage to be very very useful so i'm kind of of two minds of this i'm saying one i'm not going to limit myself based on what people find to be useful from a competitive perspective i just don't want to do that i don't want to i don't think that's very interesting to do that and limit myself that way and limit you know the game that way but you know and further to that you never know we, we can do about anything now with the quirk system we can make a lot of um we'd like to start moving quicker with that and be more reactive and be more incremental as i've been saying with the quirk system uh, we'll probably see some more quirks released in the second patch in March for some some clan mechs as well. So there's a bit of an announcement for you, though. You'll you'll see it probably at least four clan mechs get kind of a full pass of quirks in March, likely this more the second patch of March. And so that's going to start happening. So we can make changes, we can make mechs useful, but um, that's how I'd answer it. It's kind of a two-way question. I'm not going to say, oh, there's not enough pod space there to be useful, you know, air quotes. Um, I don't really believe in that way, that mentality. Many do, and that's totally fine. Um, you're more than welcome to play exactly what you feel to be competitive and useful. Um, but how useful were your Thunderbolts when they first came out, you know, a la comp, and now look at them in Community Warfare, even with the latest round of quirk changes, I might add. I was in the community warfare earlier today and man the 9s's were still mighty tough they were any face time on those things and you were hurting so yeah they're 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 going to be useful i mean that's just all i have to say they're great mechs and that's a great mech and it's going to i'm sure everyone's going to be really happy with it look at their latest resistance mechs too i mean i think they've both been really well received so far people are loving the panther um plenty of people thought it would be you know, no good. That happens all the time. Remember, the Shadowhawk was going to be DOA. So uh, let's not get caught up so much on the available pod space. And, um, you know, if the, if the mech speaks to you, you want to, you want to buy, you want to support us, uh, we really appreciate that and hope you guys enjoy our work. We'll do everything, everything we can in our power to make these mechs all look beautiful and be as playable as possible. 
Next question we have is from Zero uh, Mind, and he says, when will resistant pack pre-orders be able to select faction content, and when will this content be injected? Well, it'll be injected on March 17th. It's, the faction content is pretty much never changes. That the way you, the day you get it, it is always the official live date of the package. So when the, you know, the final mechs are injected. So March 17th, uh, the grasshopper and the Zeus are injected, and that's when the faction content will also be injected. When it'll be selectable, we're still working on that. But uh, Fox, who's been really busy with a lot of things. Um, we're hoping to do that in the first week of March. I won't nail down a specific day, but, you know, upwards of roughly two weeks prior to that injection date, you'll be able to select the content uh, on the website like you did with Clan Wave 2, if you bought that. Right on. Okay, uh, Scout Derek has the next question, which is, will you ever make it available to buy a mech chassis only instead of a full set? In other words, mech only, no armor, no weapons, no engine, etc.? I'm sorry, Darren, can you repeat that a bit? Yeah, just he's wanting to know if you can if you'll ever make it possible to buy a mech chassis but without it coming equipped essentially with engine armor weapons. In other words, so that there's a cheaper way for people to buy mechs, especially if they already have equipment handy and and they don't need, you know, the extra. So basically buying a stripped down mech chassis, will that ever be a possibility? Huh, um I don't know. I've never really thought of that. I mean, Huh. Great question. I, I, I gotta say, it's just based on my reaction. I would not wait on it because it's not really on the radar. Um, so I, I'm not really sure what the advantage is, other than, yeah, okay. So you got your C bills, and then instead of spending whatever it is, you know, three and a half million on a hunchback, you buy it for you know one and a half million because you've already got the engines and everything around i get the i get i guess i understand the question now um i don't know i'd have to think about that it's on my radar now thank you uh but i'm not really sure how we'd handle that you know i mean you go in the store and you buy mechs and now you go to like the gutted out <laughs> mech store where all the all the gutted out mechs are and you just buy the chassis so i don't know it could it's interesting yeah. For a suggestion, it could be when you sell a Mac, you have the little checkbox so you can sell it with everything on it or you can sell it stripped down. Um, so maybe the reverse when you're buying. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't on my radar as well. I didn't even think about it until he brought it up. But uh, anyway, good question, Scout Derek. Appreciate it. Moving on to the next topic, we have Steam release. And this is by Stratagos. And he says, given the increase in new players that PGI would hope to attract with Steam release and the significant changes that have already occurred to the Community Warfare map, is it safe to assume that the map will be reset prior to Steam release? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I think it's a, you know, I, I don't know when we're going to reset it. I think that everyone knows that, you know, we're in beta, and it's if we kind of reflect back, you know, as the... Um, question asker said a lot's changed like a lot's changed even since you know community warfare came out i mean if you look at all the available queue information you know that's now available that wasn't there in the beginning you got the new maps you got the new game mode counterattack game mode um you have uh changes and fixes we've made the drop ships and various things and and then of course you got faction chat now and you have voip um 
and pretty soon you're, we'll talk about this a little later in the town hall. Probably you have to look for group functionality. So things are a lot different now, right? I mean, you're, I think if we started over today with what everybody knows, community warfare starts out like significantly different. Um, I think it's a very smart comment to say that it'll be reset for um, Steam release. I just don't know if we wait. Do we wait all the way until Steam release before the first time we reset it? We might. Um, I need to find some time to think about that some more. And I, I appreciate the question because it's something that's been in the back of my mind for a while. Um, I'd like to kind of at least conclude this first phase of beta. Like, Sorry, I'm, I know I'm jumping around here a little bit, but I think the first time we reset the map, I don't think we're like out of beta in Community Warfare at that point. You know what I mean? I think it's, I think there might be, you know, maybe a couple resets before we say, you know, we're out of beta. Maybe a little longer. There's a lot of depth there that I, I know that we and all the players want to add. So I guess when do we reset it and how do we reset it? Ideally, I wouldn't want to just one day and one patch say, hey, it's reset. I'd like to come up with some type of an event and likely around two kid or something, right? I mean, why not? It'd be great times for everybody. I need to find time to ask the engineers what we can do. Do we have the ability technically to say, um, change the rules? Probably not. Like meaning we, it will probably take some work for us to say right now we can, you know, to designate a planet as being contested by all clans on one side and all intersphere on one side. And then we could change the, the dial on the planet from 15 to like 100, you know, 100 zones and run it for like a couple days or something, you know, a big long battle, maybe run it for an entire week with all clans on one side and all industry on one side, you know, see who comes out on top and that's the winner of the back battle of two kid. So that's one idea I've been having, but it's probably going to take some work on our side just to be able to do that. And we're pretty busy right now. We're going to talk today with all this, all the stuff we're doing. So I don't have time necessarily to do that work to kind of have that event before we do the reset. So you see my conundrum. So um, things are going all right right now. We're kind of massaging the algorithm map editor by hand a fair bit. Um, it's been cleaned up quite a bit. Paul's been working hard on that and things look pretty nice now. Um, so we can allow people to fight and, you know, carve their way down to towards Terra a little more. But yeah, we need to think of something. And in a phase one, if that's, if I can call it that, phase one of this beta of community warfare. If I don't have the coding time to create the functionality I just mentioned, I'd still like to come up with something to kind of signify some sort of conclusion, just come up with an end game rule, and then we can, you know, uh, work on it from there and make it better. So long way of saying maybe you're, you might be right. Maybe that's a good time to do so. Um, I don't we might talk about Steam here a little bit later. Might give you more of an idea of our window for Steam. And it's coming up fairly soon. So maybe we can wait. Maybe that'll be the first time we reset the map um, just prior to that. And maybe we can come up with some type of, uh, you know, meaningful event to sort of conclude this, uh, you know, first season, if you will. And then we can uh, reset it and get, you know, start over. And I think there's probably a lot of you players out there that are – Although you've worked really hard to do what you've done so far, you're, you know, a lot of people are probably feeling like, geez, you know, with what we know now about community warfare and the players we have now and the tools we have now and the features in the game, you know, we could really, you know, go about it with a particular strategy if we started over. So 
thanks for the question. That's a really long answer, but those are the thoughts. And oftentimes that's what you get. You don't get like, yes, no, you get, here's where my thoughts are today. Cool. Thanks for the answer. Good question, Stratagos. Uh, we'll move on to the next topic. We, if, if there are other questions that uh, touch on Steam, we will come back to that. Obviously, that's a pretty big deal. Um, but we're moving on to the topic of support. Um, let's see. This name is going to even be challenging for me. Frosh Koenig, I'm going to go with. Um, <clears throat> MWO supports track IR, but is there any chance it will support alternatives like free track or open track? Wow, you've totally stumped me. Um, <laughs> I don't know what those things are, to be honest. Uh, Alternatives I, to track IR, I guess. But yeah, I haven't yeah, heard of them either. Um, I guess I'd have to go out on a limb and say it's unlikely, just because you know we have find it hard to find the time to support things like that because you know, there's so many features we want to put in the game, and it's it's always a difficult process to say, okay, you know, X engineer, stop making features and you know, those type of game features and say, you know, work on track IR now, uh, work on NVIDIA 3D Vision, um, work on, let's work on Oculus Rift. I mean, there's some things there, right, that we want to do. And um, it's a subject I want to talk about today when it comes to feature development and cleanup and kind of side-focused items. Um, you know, I think best case scenario probably is that we find enough time to to really support all those things I just kind of mentioned and support them really well and continue to update them and you know rather than looking on I guess lesser known ones uh, who knows though right sometimes some of these engineers they, they find some minutes for a side project and next thing you know they have it working so I'm sorry I don't know what those specific things are you mentioned so that probably doesn't bode really well um, we'll, we'll try to do our best to support as many of the official kind of larger things as possible. All right. Next question we have is uh, Rapier E01. And he says, any plans for European servers at this time? And while I go ahead, ask this as well as uh, Oceanic uh, as well. Wow. Um, I don't know how to answer that right now. It's difficult because now, at this point in time, since, you know, we are self-publishing and IGP isn't involved any longer and we're hosting the data center ourselves, um, and we have John on our side who helps set up the data center, it would be relatively straightforward and relatively easy for us now to set up servers anywhere we want, um, especially with those that have, you know, uh, areas that have, um, data centers supported by our provider and that's and they're very large and there's definitely tons of options and very good options in Europe and very good options elsewhere in the world. The question just really becomes around matchmaking, you know, matchmaking concerns. Um, you know, we're very happy with MechWarrior and I, I'm, I'm very happy with the, you know, the player base we have. It's certainly tiny game compared to you know the dotas of the world and such but otherwise from a mech warrior perspective it's very good it's, you know it's very successful it's um you know I, I, we're happy with the amount of players we always want more we're always in search of more always in search of growing the game we're always going to be you know fighting against the you know the niche aspect of what mech warrior is because you know all in all it's a very 
it's a very niche game. It's a very complex game. It's hard to learn and hard to master. Um, so with all that in mind, you know, we've done extremely well. I'm sure we're the, by, by far and large, by multiples of 10, probably the, the biggest, you know, MechWare online game there's ever been. But even still, there, there's still a concern around, okay, well, if we put, let's put a few servers in Europe and all those players play on those servers. And right now, MechWarrior is very close to about a 50-50 split when it comes to our player base is about half. We have two big spikes in the day. We have our European spike, European time zone spike, and our North American time zone spike. And they're pretty much exactly the same. So our, our player base is very much about 50-50 Euro North American. So that tells you that, you know, if putting all those European players into those servers, it becomes a question, right? Of like, okay, that's what will that do to the matchmakers and various things here? So some of the alternative solutions is saying, well, put some local servers over there, but have it still on the same, I guess, shard, if you will. So essentially, you know, maybe there's some logic involved if it's primarily European players you're playing on a European server and North American players are connecting to that. So now you're asking North American players to play with a couple hundred ping potentially or 100 to 100, 200 rather than the pings they get now, you know, instead of the, the European players. So there's trade-offs involved. So I think at the very least, I wanted to give you a small idea of why we're hesitant. And I think we'll probably look to Steam. The good news is about Steam, even though we're on Steam, we're still running on our servers and our data center. So just want that to be clear out there. So that's a good way for us to hopefully get a lot more players. And if it gets high enough, um, then I think that would become more of a viable option for us if we, if we add enough players. Right now, it continues to be borderline. And I don't want people to you know, guesstimate too much what that means. Think about MechWarrior for a second. I mean, if you look at solo queue and then the group queue and then the community warfare queue, um, we have probably you know more ways of splitting our players than you know dota 2 does and and obviously have a tiny fraction of players that those games have so that makes it difficult in ourselves and that's and there's a lot of it's a very demanding community you know hey i don't want to play against good players i don't want to play against groups i want to play in a solo queue and uh, we've kind of reached we've absolutely reached them you know the maximum of how much we can split up that community and so in Community Warfare, people say, well, when are we going to get the solo queue for Community Warfare? Well, that's never going to happen. I mean, we've already got the public queue, which is split in the group and solo, and then we've got Community Warfare, and oh, there's no way we can just you know divide that up further. So I hope that answers your question a little bit. I think the answer right now is let's, let's keep working on some features. John and our new data center, I think, has done a good job of lowering pings. There's... Very few outliers now. I think most people are experiencing pings lower than they had before. Um, most regions of the world are getting very playable pings. I'm sure there's not people out there that say, easy for you to say, you live where you live. But we're doing the best we can there, and we're going to launch onto Steam. And, uh, you know, maybe later in the year, uh, we'll definitely revisit that question again. All right, good question. Uh, next question comes from Redline Hunter. He says, what is being done to help curve 
the issue of player disconnects during gameplay. Nine out of 10 games I play, there's at least one disconnect, uh, one disconnected player leaving gameplay unbalanced. Well, our main priority remains in fixing bugs. Um, if there's any bugs that cause crashes, it's very difficult to gather data on a, a disconnected player and to determine if that player uh, truly crashed or if they just left the game. Um, that's a difficult thing to determine. So we already have safe measures in place that if people leave, they're not going to get rewards. But, you know, like, for instance, we have this crash for this VoIP feature. I, I think all in all, if people reflect, and, uh, you know, I'd have to turn to the experienced players that have been around for a long time. Um, the number of disconnects in our game, we just constantly make improvements. You know, a year ago, more, far more disconnects. I mean, there might have been one per side almost on average. It was a really big problem for us, and we worked really hard on it. And now I would say it might be a slight exaggeration to say at least 9 out of 10 games have one disconnect. I, I, you know, I think it's much, I think it's lower than that in general, and that's just really incremental improvements and fixes in both frame rate, ping, you know, various crash bugs. And we went to 64-bit client. We improved the, the memory management significantly. Um, and we also lowered the memory footprint for 32-bit clients. And we've got this fix coming up for the recently introduced VoIP. We now have a fix for the, well, it fixes in test. And hopefully it's coming out and we'll talk about the, you know, the March 3rd patch. The freeze bug, the reason the mining collective isn't in, uh, we're testing a fix for that. So that's not just for Mining Collective. That's It's the most prevalent in Mining Collective, but it ha could happen elsewhere. It was basically an instancing bug in the Crytek engine. So that map in particular instanced the assets far more than anyone, any other map. So we're constantly fixing, I would say, disconnect, crash bugs. And I think over the last two years, it just very steadily gotten less and less and less and less crashes and you know stability issues and disconnects and i guess i would say stay patient i think we have some more fixes coming and then we're going to be down to very 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 few perhaps even mostly just players that leave or disconnect on their own or potentially have really poor internet connections um so i think we're doing all we can technically and i think we're really getting fairly close to a very tight in that area and then we'll have to turn our attention to more, you know, what do we do in that situation where there's an uneven team from a gameplay perspective, you know, because someone left because they, whatever, decided they need to go eat dinner instead of play the game. And that's a good question. I don't have an answer for that. I'm not sure there's an easy answer for that. Um, it's very difficult for the matchmaker to say, hey, we have an uneven team. We're one minute, one minute in. Let's grab someone and fill that spot. But essentially, we'd have to look at solutions like that and um think about having a you know a pool of players that we could possibly bring in to even things up again but in a in a you know a 15 minute single round based game especially like public queue you know that's a difficult thing to do yeah i get redline's question he, maybe he posted that right after a match that he got frustrated on from disconnects or whatever but you know reading chat most people thought that felt a little bit over exaggerated and i what i do want to point out is that like you, you said, it may not be an actual disconnect. It could be somebody walking away from the game. I, I play a lot of other games that are similar in style with, you know, groups of 15 or whatever. And people do that in every game. I, I feel like it's, you guys have done a great job at fixing bugs and disconnects and so forth. But anyway, let's move on to the next question, Phil. 
we've got uh <laughs> i always called D- uh, demon but uh <laughs> dominicki uh he says uh, over the next six months or so uh, will you be strictly focusing on content or do you plan to throw in some optimizations to help improve fps all the polish question well fps absolutely um uh, so no, it'll, it'll definitely be a lot more than content. Um, I think content has actually been, and I, I think hopefully people would agree with me on this, uh, the pace in which has been has been improved because the pace of, of mech content obviously has always been consistent, but and that's continuing. But now even on the map side, you know, uh, we, we it's well documented. You know the issues I you know told you guys about with in our previous publisher and um, lack of I guess. Uh, desire to make maps and you know since then we've released several in the public queue a couple at least and now um you guys have a third in community warfare and we're going to talk about march 3rd here in a minute but basically uh there'll be another actually it's march 17th there'll be another new map in march for community warfare and there'll be another new map for community warfare in april so we'll be up to five right there march april so the content's going to be steady and i think it's better than it was in 2014 um so that's great and then as far as we're going to continue on though with uh you know other aspects and uh improvements in fps at least in that regard we've already seen quite a lot this year um brian windover remember the name he's my hero he has made several improvements uh, especially in scale form in the hud uh, of the game uh, we've in the targeting information and whatnot um it was the patch before last we saw you know, it depends on your machine, but on average, we probably saw a 10 frames per second increase. This past year went out on Tuesday, had another small improvement. A lot of people were reporting very positive things from that. And March 3rd, we hope, we're testing the branch right now. We have another improvement coming in. It's actually fairly significant. I would say it's every bit as significant as the one, you know, what date would that be? The patch for last, the early February patch. Um, another, you know, potential upwards of 10 frames per second on average from various people. So you could be, you know, some people might be up 20 frames, uh, from, you know, the beginning of the year, another significant FPS performance gain coming up in the March 3rd patch, fingers crossed. So I think that's awesome. I've been waiting for a long time to do that. And we're truly opening the door again for guys that had machines that were just borderline, you know, sub 20 frames, maybe for a long, they just couldn't quite deal with it. A lot of these guys might be getting very solid 30 plus now, maybe 40, maybe, you know, I'll leave it up to you all individually to figure out what you're getting. But again, another significant FPS performance coming up in in the March 3rd patch. So tell your friends, stand on your rooftop, shout it from your, you know, porches, call everyone back. You had slower machines. Um, that's been a and, and he's continuing to uh, um, profile and, and it still is finding some cycles to focus on that. So again, it's not particularly aimed at Steam or anything, but you know certainly by the time we go there, we should have, in some cases for lower spec machines, they might have literally doubled their frame rate. So that's I'm sorry, I'm just going to go on and on because I can't believe how excited I am about that. That's awesome. Like. I'm so happy that that's happening and that's opening up, you know, just making it that much more playable for other people. So hope that answers your question, you know, beyond that, as far as if we get enough frames back, that's going to open a lot of doors, isn't it? It's going to open the ability to do things to, 
you know, on, on very high settings, maybe we can introduce more, you know, pretty things, you know, more effects, more this, that, and the other. So that's, as soon as we, if we, if we improve the frame rate enough, that's going to open a lot of abilities for us to, um, you know, make the game just look better and better. Okay, follow up to that, uh, Russ. Um, this is something that we asked uh, Paul last night, and I've seen it already in chat a few times. Uh, the FPS issue, scale form, um, you know, I think last time we asked about it as well. It's a huge performance hit. There are newer options out there. Is that something that you guys have looked at? And Because that affects not only in-game performance, but also in the Mech Lab performance as well. Well, I'm not sure if that's true about the Mech Lab, honestly. Um, but I, I, bottom line is that's exactly what I'm talking about here. I mean, that's Brian recently updated scale form. Um, the version of the engine we had an older version, updated to a newer version, uh, profiling it, and significant amount of the frames we're talking about here, maybe at least half the total frames gained we're talking about here is in scale form. So I guess what I'm saying is that message is out there for a while and it was true but maybe should people change their thinking now and say that that's exactly what we're doing we're getting the frames back that we from scale form that we should have back um optimizing it using it better using it properly uh and that's where most of these frames are coming back at so maybe don't need to really think about it you know but from march 3rd onward maybe don't think about it so much as a you know it's scale forms fault and more along the lines of we got those frames back. So yippity doo it's good times. So be happy. Don't hate on scale form. Um, I think we we're learning more and more about it. We've updated the version of it and we're using it better and we're optimizing it better. It's a combination of um, some early code that wasn't very optimized to using better versions of scale form, profiling scale form and getting back a lot of performance out of it. So yes, it's not, don't focus too much in on scale form anymore, I guess I would say. All right, good question, Demonicky. Uh, produced a lot of conversation there. Next one is from Kasumi. And this is a long question, so bear with me here. Uh, have you considered maybe using the NGNG guys as a secondary QA department? Uh, many huge issues seem to fall through the cracks in the internal QA, mainly pertaining to environmental objects, hitboxes, even brand new maps created after the form thread investigating issues like this were developed with bad hitboxes having someone who plays a game religiously drop on a test client and shoot the edge off of building uh, you're making might go a long way towards polished finished product for that matter is there any ETA, ETA on the issues on that thread being looked at and the thread he's referring to is one that just talked about basically you know things that you get stuck on on maps and invisible walls and so forth now obviously you know no, NGNG is probably not going to be a secondary QA department, but can you give us some insight on the QA process and, and what's maybe happening there? Well, I mean, first and foremost, anyone in NGNG is pretty much invited to be, um, you know, a, a squirrel tester uh, on the stable branches. And I know Darren and Phil and you guys are, and some of the other guys are too, and pretty much anyone else in that list wants to, to be, we can add them. So, you know, we have a uh, half a dozen or so full-time QA um, that work, you know, all the time, long hours, uh, testing everything. Um, we've got squirrels, which could be a few dozen more at any given time. Um, so, you know, that's uh, 
that's what that's you know they play and they test. Honestly, it's sort of a it's a challenge to get even anybody, you know, squirrels or whatever. There's a few dedicated souls, but the rest they hardly want to log a bug. You know, to be to be honest, that's just the way people are. They want to get access so they can look at cool shit a little bit early, but they don't want to actually log a bug. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, we try hard to find those bugs, but it's not. I mean, sure, it's about more eyes on, more testing, more just shooting around those buildings, like you said, for sure. Um, but it also, it's kind of a tug of war between that and getting you guys the content. You know, we could keep the, the maps and tests for an additional month or an additional two months and do nothing but what you're suggesting when they come out. They'll be far more polished. Um, our, our, you know, with our game, we generally, we generally try to get it what we feel is tight and good enough and, and ready for your consumption. And then, you know, you guys help us by finding, you know, the most egregious spots that we should fix. So it really becomes, we try to, we try to find the sweet spot between getting you guys the content as soon as we can um, versus holding on to the content to polish it as much as possible. So that's always a debatable thing. Many players, most players, I guess we feel the majority of our players would prefer to get the content when they do uh, rather than to wait significantly longer. But that's, that's up for debate. Yeah. And I'd like to point out, um, you know, well, first of all, Phil and I met actually at a, in, through a previous MechWarrior title, and we actually did QA. We were, did a lot of the extremely, extremely, I can't put enough emphasis on that word, boring testing. People, like you said, Russ, have this idea of what QA is like and testing and who I get to behind the scenes, but it's insanely difficult work and just tedious. And so uh, just real quick, I want to tip my hat to everybody that has been for years uh, behind the scenes testing. There's a lot of people that do it and put a lot of hard work and it's totally bankless. Um, you know, so even though maybe it seems like things slip through the cracks, there's a lot of testing going on. There's a lot of people that are totally committed to the community and that are doing that on a daily basis. So thank you to those people. Uh, Phil, you want to take the next question? All right, moving on to maps. We have Gorgo seven. Are there any plans in the near future for very large map example, 10 km by 10 km? Um, I don't know. I guess I, I, I don't know uh, the sizes of the new the new maps on the horizon are the uh, Termaline themed uh, one for Community Warfare. And after that, I guess a bit of an announcement here. I think people were expecting HPG. In fact, we kind of that was on the radar, but we changed that up after the Termaline one. There is the uh, it's basically a forest themed one for Community Warfare. So we wanted to go a little bit away from the dry desert theme. So we changed it up. So after Termaline, it's forest. Sizes of them in the Community Warfare side are fairly consistent. So that's as best as I can answer that right now. Um, I don't know of like a giant map in play yet. I think we're a little gun shy um, after Alpine was fairly big and it was moderately received if to poorly received to well received kind of depends on the person um and i admit it's not wasn't our best map either so it's probably undeserved to be gun shy about larger maps because it was um you know i'm sure we could do a large map much better than we did that one but that's kind of um i don't know it's that those are the next two maps coming and i don't know the exact size of them actually i would 
I would suggest they're probably uh, fairly similar to the, the the other community warfare maps in similar size. I guess I'm the odd man out. I like both Alpine, not that I'm I'm saying it couldn't use some polish, and I like large maps, but whatever. Um, next question is from Rebus. He says, "Can you discuss your map design philosophy? Is the size of the map for technical purposes, or are they intended to funnel mechs towards combat more quickly?" Um, I cannot speak to that. It's better left for Paul, Fad, and the team. Um, I think there's a there's obviously a, a completely different design philosophy involved from a community warfare map to uh, public queue, um, and I think a lot of them, you know, designed for the the game timers that we have. Um, the truth is. You know, public queue games are supposed to be quick, and people want them to be quick. They want them to be, you know, 50 minutes or less. Community Warfare matches, 30 minutes. And I guess you can probably look at the game timers as our interpretation of what people want, how long they want a map to be or how long they want a game to be, at least in those game modes. It doesn't mean there could be future game modes that are longer and more drawn out. Um, but I think for... You know, the community, current Community Warfare game modes and the current Public Queue game modes, that it's, the timers are representative of how we feel the majority of our players, how, how long they want a match to last. And that's probably one of our biggest uh, determining factors of map size. But um, that's as far as I could go with that question here. All right, we've got a few follow-up questions with that. But before we do that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick five-minute bio break. So go refill your drinks, grab something to eat, and we'll be right back in five minutes, guys. All right, guys, and we are back from our break, uh, and we're going to go ahead and continue on with things. So let's go and kick it off. All right, we are still on the subject of maps. The next question comes from Grim Ulfer. Uh, he says, will there be any updates to current or older ma maps such as Verdian Bog? Are there any non-community warfare maps in the works? Did he say, is there any updates for old maps like Verity and Bog? Basically, what he's asking is just non-community warfare maps. Like, uh, so it'd be polish on regular, uh, you know, public queue maps, and then any new non-community warfare maps in the works. Well, right now, the only maps in the works are community warfare. Um, and uh, there's no doubt there's a handful in the public queue that I... You know, they look old. They just aren't as, you know, nice as they once were, or we've just gotten that much better at making the maps, um, some of the original ones. So it's really a debate that we've talked about is it do you go in and fix them, make them prettier and stuff? It probably would take just as long as just recreating it. So, for instance, you might just say, okay, how do we recreate River City? Like with everything we learned. Let's make River City again, a um, little bigger, a little better, um, and you know, completely replace it. So we're not at that point yet of having to make that decision and to get started because you know we just got a little work here to do in the um, community warfare maps. So I think it's important to make sure community warfare gets up to at least a certain amount of maps, a minimum amount. What is that? Is that a half a dozen at least? Um, Maybe a little more. 
So that's that's something we'll be looking at. So maybe it's a couple more months, a few more months of focusing in community warfare, and then taking a step back and saying, okay, do we do we add new maps to the public queue? Do we um, replace some of the maybe poorer maps of the public queue? Um, but we're a couple months away from making that decision, so it's just the best I can do for you right now on that. Skyrider1746 says, will there be any changes to water on the maps, such as making it deeper or affecting the mech speed? Yeah, both are really good questions. Um, I've, I mean, those are two really important parts of, you know, mech warrior traditionally, especially, you know, the ability to go completely underwater. It's very well documented in novels and whatnot. And I, I, I'd like that. So, and then when it comes to running speed, I think that makes a lot of sense. Difficult from gameplay perspective, though, if you can imagine a locust hitting the water, essentially you'd be unable to go in the water almost, uh, or you'd be so slow and such an easy target. So that one's more difficult because it has such incredible gameplay um, ramifications, um, which means your you know game does, your your map design is. Um, even just gets that much harder because you're basically saying, okay, look at River City. I mean, if you're in a locus, you can't cross the water even to the other side if there's any mech in sight because you're going to slow down uh, and be such a target. So that one's more of a question mark. Um, but then again, you can't imagine. They kind of go hand in hand. You don't want to see mechs completely submersed, you know, well over their head in water and we're still running at 160 kilometers an hour. And somebody in chat just said, like the Locust does right now in River City. Yeah, I know. So there's some work there to do. It's not at the top of the heap priority-wise, though I will admit. There's there's a lot more that's that's ahead of that. All right, good question. Um, and yeah, some of you are throwing questions like, hey, Phil, hey, Darren, ask Russ this right now. Obviously, we're not going to really do that. We can't. We've uh, We had player-submitted questions for the last few days and we're going to get those first but like i did mention russ will be doing a 10 or 20 minute q a live from chat at the end of the show so stick around and if you don't get your question answered before then hopefully then next question is for or from dayu han dayu han something like that are there any plans to incorporate the original maps uh into community warfare we get a lot of these questions so this is just you know one of the people of many that have asked they you know they want to see their favorite map turned into community warfare uh did you answer that yet at all or no, I didn't. Uh, there's basically the most likely way they find their they find their way into community warfare is through the new, um, uh, I guess I'll call it missions that we have in the early design process for community warfare, and that is battles, you know, less than twelve v twelve or the, you know, twelve v twelve dropship modes like you know invasion and, and counterattack which are essentially 48 versus 48 modes they run the maps that you guys are getting but i've mentioned it before i'll just briefly mention it again We're working on 4v4 we have a game mode that we really like that we're working on um we're still working on how we're going to tie that into community warfare um, we don't feel like, as I mentioned earlier, that we can get into another queue, like another pre-queue, where just like anybody kind of queues up and it's, you know, just a, another queue. But looking at some sort of mission system within Community Warfare 
So I don't know how that ties in yet, but essentially you can think of it like, you know, you and your, your scout lance is behind enemy lines, utilizing the community warfare map in some way, and going on a scouting mission. It ends up being a 4v4 situation. And those maps very likely um, will primarily be using the public queue maps in Community Warfare for the very obvious reason that um, they're smaller and they're more prone to this type of gameplay. And it's a great way to get them in to Community Warfare. So I don't think you're going to see Invasion game mode played on River City, like ever. But I do think you'll see those maps, your, your favorite maps from public queue, brought into Community Warfare for things like uh, a 4v4 scouting mission. I don't have an ETA yet, but we're working hard on it. It's actively being worked on. It's something I hope, in the, I hope to have in the next f couple few months. Um, I think it would add a lot to Community Warfare. I think you're going to get a lot of players to, you know, that aren't, as hardcore aren't necessarily part of a big unit don't necessarily run in 12 mans for invasion game mode uh to run some scouting missions and find a very hopefully a very elegant way for them to tie into the overall picture of community warfare and have some type of impact on the invasion that's happening the invasion game modes that your faction is participating in uh so it's a difficult it's a difficult problem especially when you're considering you know, not wanting to create another queue that's going to pull players from the invasion queue. And um, it's it's a complex problem, but that's how we get those other maps, I think, uh, pulled into Community Warfare. Speaking of Community Warfare, that's actually our next topic. And we've got another question from Stratagos, and he says, there have been some concerns raised regarding the Community Warfare population calculations. How do you determine which factions have active players rather than just the number of players that wear the faction badge? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Um, currently, I don't share the concerns. Um, the numbers in Community Warfare, from my perspective, are good. Um, and they're consistent. And I don't have, you know, right now the breakdown on a day-to-day -day, hourly basis of how many players from every single faction is participating in. I do know how many players are in each unit. Or, sorry, are in units inside of each faction or how many members there are of each faction. Um, and then, so you have to understand, we have all this data in the Tableau, like lots well, of way that you visualize, visualize the data. I know exactly how many members are in each faction. And we use that information to kind of adjust rewards to try to balance out the, you know, the faction numbers as best we can. And it works surprisingly well. And the number of players that are participating in each of the community warfare windows, um, both the Euro window and the North American window, battle window, I have less information on the more the oceanic one that happens, you know, very early in the morning Pacific time. But it's consistent and it's pretty high. Um, it's been consistently pretty much the same, you know, and, and even slightly growing since the beginning. So. I haven't seen some kind of major drop-off. Obviously, when the feature first went out, there was a lot of people. Every solo player, you know, was hitting those queues before we had the queue information. So it was probably a little bit higher right when the in the first two weeks of Community Warfare coming out. But otherwise, 
it's very been very consistent. So we're going to continue to work on our ability to track the numbers and attract the numbers per faction and active players per faction, as you say. But I'm not, I'm not sure if I've answered your question or not, but uh, I, I guess at the moment I'm not sharing some sort of deep concern over it because uh, it's, I'm not watching the numbers go down or anything. I'm, I'm watching the numbers stay uh, very, very similar, very much the same in community warfare. It's very, it's fulfilling what, you know, we expected. It's a, uh, it's definitely a more hardcore mode. Um, and that could change with the introduction of more and more missions in community warfare, whether it's four before uh, scout missions, um, eventually maybe one versus, you know, PVE, uh, missions. So essentially single player missions into community warfare. Those things, of course, might bring up more players into that map and in that environment, and that's certainly what we hope for, and that's that's what we want to do. That's obviously a no-brainer. It sounds very uh, exciting, obviously, of course. To I mean, the map is a storytelling device. It's right there for us. But um, you know, right now it's mostly about twelve v twelve units, and you know, we certainly have a majority of our players playing in the public queue. Um, probably well, it could be six, seven times as many people in the public queue than is in community warfare. And I'm not overly concerned about that at the moment. Again, it's very consistent in community warfare. We know who those players are. Um, they're unit players. They're you know, social players. They like playing in big units. They like playing in 12-man units and, and competing. They're, they're competitors. So um, we're always monitoring that. I hope I answered your question to the best of my abilities. It's... Uh, um, I don't know. Did I answer it, Darren? You tell me. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good answer. Um, good question. I'm sorry, I was reading chat at the same time. Um, again, guys, if you have a specific question that's not getting answered and you want the answer, email Phil. No, email me. You can email me, bombadil at nogetsnogalaxy.net. We'll get it answered. Uh, spe- specifically or just talking wait to you. till the end of the thing. Yeah, or wait does. till the end, like I said, 10, 20 minutes of uh, a live from chat. Um, real quick, Russ, I just want to, because there's a few people that poked me and said they want this question answered, but we have covered in previous uh, town halls, so it can be a real quick answer. Will there ever be an option in the public queues, you know, solo and group queue, to un- uncheck maps you don't want to drop? Um, you've answered it before, so quick answer is totally fine. Uh, probably not. Uh, Which is it, what you've said before, yeah. It just goes down to the cues again. We're just making life so hard on ourselves. I mean, you know, we're all Battletech fans and Macquarie fans. We love this game, but we just have to realize that, you know, we're not Dota and we can't have 10 times the options that something like Dota has for, a, you know, a, a niche product like MechWarrior. I mean, we already have far too many. I mean, from public queue to the solo queue to the group queue to the community warfare and then even in solo queue we say sure check whatever game modes you want all that affects you know this has been a while since we had this heated conversation because we've been focused on community warfare and the new features which is which is great suits me fine but you know before it was a lot of solo queue was performing really well right you know very competitive I'm, i'm staring at it right now the average elo difference of teams in in the solo queue right now is uh, 38, very close, right? With the extreme variance up to like 167. Um, and at a minimum, sometimes there's zero, meaning there's some teams in public queue 
bump, you know, the solo queue bumping into each other that have like the exact same ELO average among the team. And then you go to group queue and the average difference is 188. Not bad. Uh, it's used to be about 250, but that's 188. But still, someone do the math for me. What's that? Five times more of a difference. And the outliers are more extreme. They can go be as much as a thousand, rarely. So those are more of a reflection of sure. If we had like, you know, a million players playing at any given moment, like Dota or something, not a problem. But you know, we're more of an average product. I mean, if we have, I think, good numbers for a multiplayer multiplayer game. But you know, we just have a lot of cues, and sure, it'd be a lot easier the matchmaker. And I could promise you much more competitive matches if. We didn't have so many choices if we didn't have um, the ability to choose the game mode. But the game mode is random, like we tried briefly, um, and you know, and so on. I could go on and on from there, and, and we would just it'd be trade-offs. And it, the other thing would be more about how you create your groups. You know, um, more restrictions on how you create groups rather than having complete flexibility from you know groups of two to eleven, etc. If it was a little more strict, like one 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 per lance and so on, or even restricted to four man lances in the group queue, now that community warfare is out, um, the competitiveness would just go way up. It's just a fact. But people like choice. I understand that. I appreciate it. Um, but I just think we've given as much choice as we can possibly afford to give. Um, so we're kind of at the max here. So. Anything we do in the future for giving more player choice is going to have to come only if we have significantly more players or we trade off somewhere else. You know, we say, okay, you get to choose your, your maps now. You can filter that, but we're going to take from you in your, let's say, your game mode selection or your group composition. Uh, it's got to come from somewhere. We just can't keep, you know, splitting the buckets and splitting the buckets, you know, and splitting the buckets until there's just... Not enough players to create great matches, and we want to create as good of matches as possible. I think good matches trumps everything else. I mean, that's the statement I'll lay out there. That's the statement that people can, you know, argue over, argue amongst yourselves. I want to see a Reddit thread before the end of the night. Does good competitive matches trump player choice? Boom, there it is. <clears throat> yes, Make it oh, sorry. Jesus sorry, Some, something got caught in my throat. Yeah, we've discussed this, uh, I think, every town hall. But anyway, let's get on to the next Community Warfare question from IDG. He says, will there be any in-game mechanics to give Merc units incentives to stick with a faction in long term rather than just faction hopping to grind out those free LP goodies and so forth? Will, will loyalist units on a permanent contract receive any additional benefits as Community Warfare takes shape? Yeah, that's a um, question I expected tonight. Um, who'd you say asked it? Uh, that was from IDG. All right. Thanks for your question. Um, it's, a, it's a big question right now, isn't it? I mean, I'm getting that a lot and, and for good reason. I think, you know, I think that's improving. You know, once we saw the real loyalty point packages go out, um, I think there's a lot more reason now to stick around. Um, and play for a faction to get up to the higher levels where you get all the big rewards, even MC and whatnot. And if you're switching, you're going to be you're going to be losing loyalty points with your faction. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely not anywhere near as robust as that we'd like it. There definitely needs to be more rules. Um, keep in mind, a lot of the I think a lot of the problems 
again, is is kind of based on player feedback and player choice. You know, it's very difficult for us during the community warfare design phase as we posted all the details and you guys weighed in. And I think as players weighed in, for the most part, we created, you know, just a better and a better and a better and a better feature as we went along and listened to what everyone had to say. There's a couple of instances, though, that really hurt. And that's around, guess, again, around, around player choice. I mean, we had players that, you know, they spent hard-earned money on supporting us and buying both clan and intersphere mechs and they want to be able to play both they want to be able to play both in community warfare and there's certain lines we won't cross i mean for us we were really we really want to you know simulate the the clan invasion and i think we've done a pretty good job of that it's nowhere near perfect but you know it's like you know there they are the clans are invading you can see them come down and all in all i mean it's a great starting point i think we can at least agree on that i don't i didn't want to see you know, day one, Timberwolves on the Steiner side, etc. We did, wanted to have a clear distinction of technologies. I think that's important. But we had a lot of players that wanted to play both. So really, it's, it becomes tough. It really becomes around much more frequent seasonal resets, um, which a lot of players did not like. Or around, it has to come down to contracts. And it has to come down to contracts. And there's some trade-offs there. There's a bit of a contract mentality with clans that really doesn't exist in lore which isn't ideal. And there's too much flipping. And I don't think flipping back and forth between factions, it's happening a little too frequently. Um, and I think some players might say it's not necessarily happening, happening too frequently. There's just not enough rules in place. So if you want to be a merc and you want to flip around, what are the penalties? And that's the difficult thing to come up with because as it stands and as some of the earlier designs were like when a lot of players at what players were asking this for, I felt like, well, no one's ever going to be a loyalist, right? Only like a few of the most hardcore, everyone will just be a merc because it's just like, great. I mean, how do you get away from the benefits of just flipping factions and fighting wherever you want? So that's the challenge of, I think, coming up with some rules. How do loyalists control mercenaries? How do loyalists direct how they hire them and and I think we ideally we, we want to see less units changing sides, at least not anywhere near the frequency that they are. Um, so we can do there's some easy things we can do. We can increase the penalties, right? I mean we can say, okay, fine, your notice period is longer, right? Like let's say it's seven days. You take a seven day contract that's essentially saying the minimum contract length of and so if you're a permanent contract or 20 days or 14 days and you cancel your contract, you pay a stiffer C-bill penalty and you still have a seven-day cooldown period, not 24 hours. But remember, we get complaints about it all the time too. 24 hours, this is crap. You know, I just canceled my contract. I should switch like that second. But we left it at a minimum of 24 hours because we didn't want players to be affecting. At the time, remember, a battle cycle was 24 hours. We didn't want people affecting planet flipping from like playing on both sides of the border in one cycle so this thing's evolving um it's a difficult problem and right now i can't spend enough time on it so all of our loyalist players out there we love you guys you guys are the best you guys make the world go around um i think you bring stability to our game and i want you to hang in there and be loyalist for us we're going to continue to work on this problem uh, right now, if we, I got a little list in front of me we'll talk about and these things that we're working on. 
I've got to get through a bunch of things here, a bunch of features, a bunch of improvements. And then I want to spend some significant time on adding depth to community warfare, um, more stuff for the loyalists, maybe even a few more bits of logistics, start using those coffers, um, et cetera. So there's no shortage of work, that's for sure. I mean, I think we're off to a good start in 2015. There's another rambling answer for that question. So uh, sorry, that's just what it is right now. Next question we got from Sion. He says, what are the chances of seeing community warfare events like a big battle of Tukiad? And how would they work? Weekend event, CW map changes, effects, reports, etc. Well, I already touched on this. Um, and we need to talk about it internally here. But I think we need to... I think that the most logical way to do that would be to um, have a battle at Tukiad. Um, instead of there being 15 zones, increase the number significantly. Um, I don't know, just for the sake of, it has to be an odd number, I think. So let's go with like 31. I mean, it doesn't matter. Pick a much larger number of zones. That's a dynamic value we can set. And um, have the battle run for, like you say, maybe an entire week. And a big giant tug of war and make sure that all the clan factions can fight and all the inner sphere uh, factions can fight on one side or the other. So everybody, all clans are fighting all IS over one particular planet for a period of time. I think that's a, a, that's a very modest um, initial goal for sort of a concluding battle uh, for a season and then resetting and, you know, starting again with all the improvements we've done and, you know, all the improvements to come and having even bigger, better, more epic tournament at the, you know, the Battle of Tukia next time or, you know, however far we take it. So, um, Paul, staff members, whoever's listening, um, we need to talk about that. We need to scope out that work. We need to hopefully uh, make some adjustments that allows us to at least have at least have something like that i would hope to kind of conclude this um first round of beta if you will cool good question next question is actually a short series of questions from nightmare one uh, russ maybe you can take a look at the uh, stream window to uh, look over them but basically three community warfare questions in a row first one is is there an eta for planetary value production costs c build generation etc and planetary upgrades um, second question is any word on player driven economy and player made contracts like those described in the old launch video. And finally, loyalist, loyalist clan life versus Merc life, any changes in the pipeline to better differentiate between them? Well, I'm going to answer all these very quickly and say, mm -hmm. um, I touched on these a little bit, uh, there's a lot of good stuff here. Some of it's a little further out than other stuff. Obviously, the player-driven stuff is always the most difficult aspect to balance. It's going to be a little bit further. I already touched on the kind of the loyalist clan life. Um, ETA-wise, I'm going to just kind of go out and limb here and be, I guess, as frank as I can be. And eventually, these guys will give me a minute to maybe run down my little list here of kind of stuff that we have coming yeah, I'm, I'm working on a roadmap right now uh, with Moraine, who's our you know project manager, and we're working on that uh, as best as we can. And we have a, obviously a really good idea of 
what's coming out, you know, a pretty solid idea of what's coming out, obviously, between now and May. Uh, specific features, specific patches even. And there's a lot to do, a lot of stuff to do. And then we're going to be able to work on some bigger items. So unfortunately, ETA, I'm not going to be able to say, like, don't worry, dude, that's coming in April. Um, I think we've got our hands full for a little while here. But I'm hopeful that starting in about May, we'll be able to work on more significant new features for community warfare around these types of aspects. So that's as good as I can do for you right now. I appreciate where you're coming from. Um, all I'd say beyond that is, you know, look how far it's come in just two months. Um, just This is me just kind of begging for your patience and saying, you know, we're, we're working as hard as we can. Uh, December, what was it, like 17th? When did we come out with this stuff? Um, it's been basically two months of beta, and that's pretty amazing. I got to, you know, clap my hands to the development team there. Uh, we came back from Christmas and really focused on creating as many improvements as possible. And um, look what we've done just in two months. So uh, I can't imagine even six, eight months from now before, you know, even the end of this year, you know, how much how much deeper and better stuff will be. So thank you for playing. Appreciate it. Um, we're working as hard as we can. And, and I know I got, I got a lot of guys asking me these questions internally too. Uh, you know, we want to just create more and more depth. So I think, you know, we're going to get support from the players here. No one's in a big rush to, like, say, look, the beta tag's off. Boom, we're done. Not at all. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think we'll ride, potentially even ride most of 2015 out with, you know, community warfare in a beta state. But then, again, you know, these tags don't mean a lot. Um, they're there. They're there for all of us to use. But... In the end, Mech Warrior is just essentially a game with no finish line, as you guys know. We just we'll just keep making features indefinitely. So, thank you, Nightmare. I'm I'm working on it. I promise. Next question we have is Savage Wolf. Are there any plan changes for invasion mode to make sure there is any benefit for attackers to kill defenders? Currently, when a defender is killed, his respawn fairly quickly, right on top of a mega and brings in a dropship to aid defenders. As I see it, this is what currently discourages most attackers from fighting the defenders. There is simply no benefit. Huh. I don't know. I mean, is there no benefit to killing defenders? I'm not sure. I mean, all I'm going to say to that is that our art team went ahead and basically made a change. I'm not sure if you'll, you'll feel this changes things much, but we, we, we always felt like um, having the dropships fly into the defender's spot, you know, didn't make the greatest sense. Uh, they're already there, right? Um, we kind of justified it because we, we basically needed to, and uh, that was, you know, we're pushing this feature out. But um, we have uh, the ability to, in fact, the art's created already. I believe it's kind of like almost like an underground garage mentality. So you spawn very similarly and kind of be raised up like you're coming out of a hangar each time. So the way that you spawn will change somewhat significantly. Um, and that's really more of a continuity thing, just kind of make it, kind of make it feel right. 
Uh, so I'm not sure if that'll really change things from your perspective in that way. Uh, it certainly kind of takes the dropships out of the out of the way as far as them aiding things. Um, but it's such a tough thing to balance because you know this. We still have some work to do, I think, on the on the zerging aspect of the invasion game mode as well. And I need to get my attention back to that as well. So, oh, these are tough questions tonight. That's uh, that's a bit of an update there for you, though, that we are considering changing the way that the defenders um, drop in. So your question at least got that out of me. So thanks, Savage. That's the best I can do for you right now. All right. Good question, Savage. Um, I'm actually going to skip a few questions down. This, uh, this question, I took note of it when I copied it over. Pretty amusing. Phil had to scroll down a little bit just so it shows up on screen. So, Russ, this question is from Vincent V. He asks, what is wrong with the attack paths? Several times now we have seen factions able to attack planets far away from their own border. When will this be fixed? This has become a bigger and bigger problem. Clan Ghost Bear one night got eight attack vectors and with their high population at the time could have made great advantage of it or could have ta taken great advantage of it. Um, I can see why you wanted the Ghost Bears to clean up their backyard, but honestly, from a personal point of view, it seems more and more that your real-life preference of faction and people who have some connection to NGNG or PGI are getting the better half of the cake. Favoritism seems to somehow affect the game. Are you truly neutral? when it comes to factions and players. Not sure if this was tongue-in-cheek. It was written as an actual question, so there you go. No, I'm, I'm really neutral. And I have some interactions with people on Twitter, but all I really do is try to make it fair. Um, yeah, the algorithm is... Uh, you know, it did a really good job in the beginning. You know, when things were really... You know, the initial version of it, when it was everyone was kind of in their own little area... Um, we've obviously noticed some, some issues with it and some bugs. Um, and one of the telltale signs was when I think there was a little tiny pocket of who was it? Was it Davian somewhere? And then all of a sudden Merrick lost their attack lanes into, oh, help me out, Steiner, I think. So it was interesting because they have this enormous border, you know, it's like, the Canada-U.S. border, for heaven's sake, it's just like goes forever, and yet they weren't getting an attack lane. So it was like that's an obvious issue there. Um, and, and now, as you can imagine, all the clans get really close together. It's difficult. The algorithms having a hard time, and in particular, it was about that you know clean up your back door type question. Is you see how Clan Wolf kind of cut ghost bear in half now ghost bear is getting attack lanes way up there versus kind of down where they want to get attack lanes so um paul i think has done a really good job he's been really diligent at like setting alarms and essentially dealing with um massaging the algorithm um you know multiple times a day to kind of clean if you it's a lot cleaner now than it was uh, a while ago, all those little pockets are kind of gone and things. So we have to do some work there. Uh, it's definitely not favoritism. I, I promise you, I don't, I don't really care what happens. Uh, I have enough on my plate just to deal with, like, someone said we need to tackle and someone said we don't. Um, and so, you know, those that have interaction with me kind of say, maybe ping me um, and let me know. And so when I get those things, um, 
I know in the past people were like, you know, use your forums more, don't go on Twitter so much. I use Twitter a lot for a good reason. It's because I'm a busy person, I have a busy life. I run this company, and not only that, I have a family, I have kids, so I can have my phone on me, and I go to Twitter, and like, boom, someone says, hey, there's a bug. And then when I see that there's a bug, I'll just literally copy the tweet and like text it to like the QA department and say, check this out. And when someone tweets me that they're missing an attack lane that's bugged, I just like blast that off the pole. So um, that's what I do. So, I mean, I guess that could create some uh, quicker action, I suppose, because that's just the, the quickest way I'm able to react. Um, I think I'll, the side note I'll put in this is we have a new community manager. Um, she's only been on the job for like two days now. So just give her a little bit longer and we're going to make sure she gets introduced to everybody. And she's going to be able to help a lot with obviously you know, just a lot more bandwidth than I can put towards um, helping these things out. And ultimately, we need to make improvements to the algorithm. So the guys, and again, I'm going to work on my list here eventually, uh, and what key is keeping all the guys busy right now. And uh, the guy who I think is going to work on the algorithm to kind of tweak it based on what we've seen um, is tied up on a looking for group tool right now. And when that work is done, uh, we'll, we'll try to work on the algorithm to clean that up a little bit. To sort of uh, mention here, because obviously that question had NG and G involved, to let you guys know too, uh, Darren and I, you know, doing the Twitch streams, YouTube videos, uh, the type of feedback we give uh, directly to Russ is stuff like uh, any pertinent uh, topics of a discussion like uh, trial mechs, uh, stuff like that going on behind the scenes, quirk feedback, uh, player concerns you know, comments or, or issues, maybe there's uh, disconnects happening and stuff like that. In no way, shape, or form uh, have uh, Darren or I ever asked Russ, hey, can you help, you know, these guys? That's not even remotely happening. So obviously just to let you guys know. Uh, but we do take a lot of the topics that you guys uh, bring up right at forms. And it's brought to us directly from us. So that is something we do behind the scenes that a lot of people just don't know. And uh, you see a lot of that fruit, uh, you know, but uh, there's no obviously credit given. We're but, here to make, know, yeah. yeah, we're here to make the game better for you, not make the game better for us specifically. That doesn't benefit me in the least, I promise. I, you know, I love Lao. There, it's out. I'm a house loud person. <laughs> uh, I, I always, I do gravitate a little bit towards uh, underdogs, but um, they're not underdogs. Loud. They're crazy. They're well, they're doing well, but you know they're way down there, right? Which is cool. I mean, they're just doing their thing. But um, this whole first phase of beta has just been a lot of fun. I think we've seen. I think we need to stop and just kind of smell the roses too, and just you know take in what we're witnessing. And that might sound a little self-servicing, but. Uh, self-serving but it's pretty incredible you know we we're seeing a dynamic uh, flow of this map of the inner sphere and uh, you know I take a lot of you know satisfaction in that and I can't wait till it gets even better and gets more deep and um, I want to definitely by the time this thing is said and done that uh, uh, I, I don't really I'm not going to be satisfied with anything less than wow you know MechWarrior Online allowed us to do things that we never dreamed we'd be able to do with MechWarrior. So we're not going to be done until basically everyone says that. So I know for some of you that means we'll never be done, but that's just the way it is, and that's that's okay. 
All right, let's move on to the next question. We have Kuro Nairo, and he says, What are your plans for the future community warfare? And do you plan on making mercenaries owned by faction or not able to change on the fly? Uh, sorry, Phil. Um, let's see. Hey, let me read that. Yeah, I think I kind of answered that already. I mean, I'm not going to be able to share with you exactly what my plans are, but I want that to be the case. Um, I want that to be from, it really kind of depends on, you know, how much player choice we want to give. And if we can be a little more strict on player choice and a little more restrictive than, you know, uh, put some more rules in place, then that's, it's going to be better for us. All right, moving on. Uh, Hellsbane. Now this question um, is basically regarding player choice versus restrictions. Um, and he asks, uh, would you consider limiting drop decks in Community Warfare to one of eight weight category instead of having the 240-ton rule to prevent some tactics such as continual light rushes? And the reason this is brought up is the fact of, uh, again, player behavior. Do you restrict and uh, as far as chassis and mechs, or do you give them wide open, hey, you have 240 tons? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm always for, maybe it's just where I'm, where I sit, but I'm always for, you know, more restrictions because I, I see the benefit of it. I, I know, uh, you know, how much better it is uh, for gameplay. So I'd be in favor of that, you know, it's just, but I know there's a lot of players that just, you know, just don't like that at all. So that's a tough thing. Again, it's trying to listen to the players versus um, what I think would be best for the game. I mean, one, 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 one in, you know, your drop deck would be great. I mean, that means, you know, you only take one Timberwolf, you only take one 9S or whatever the latest thing is, and it's much more varied, much more much more balanced. But um, for now, as you can see in chat, there's plenty of people saying no. So um, they don't like player choice necessarily. They want, um, they want the freedom to do what they want to do. And uh, that's always a battle in this game so for now we're at 240 tons although i will throw out a little update here um now that i found a moment to do that um starting march 3rd i've had the guys um put in a change and that allows us to put different tonnages per side in a clan versus is match so to be clear when it's clan versus clan, it'll stay this uh, 160 to 240. When it's inner sphere versus inner sphere, it'll stay the 160 to 240. But when it's clan versus inner sphere, I now have the ability to have different tonnages. And my current thinking is, and I can change this before it goes live on the March 3rd, but is to give the inner sphere a tiny bit more tonnage. Perhaps it's 160 to 250. And we start out there and we test that and we see if that works out well from a balance perspective. I can always change it. I can make it 160 to 260. You can go higher. I can go lower. Um, so I'm thinking about going 160 to 250 for um, clan versus IS matches. So I guess I'm curious to see how people react to that. All right. Good questions from Bro and Hellsbane. Next question is from Lord Losh. Are C-Bill bonuses for lesser populated factions the only planned fix for balance within Community Warfare? 
Will we see any unique patterns, colors, cockpit items, et cetera, that cannot be bought for C-bills or MC for rewards? Well, maybe, again, this is related. There's a lot of people th talking and thinking like this. I appreciate that. Um, but really up, as far as rewards, um, it's just tough because we have to basically, you know, make a skin, make a mech, make a something that's we don't ever put for sale and it's only available in Community Warfare. So we can do that. But the easiest way for to do that is probably through the decal system, decal system, um, which we can talk about today. It's... I don't have an ETA for it yet, which is a shame because essentially 80% of the work is done and we just have to do the um, UI aspect of it, which is always tapped out. Um, but, you know, maybe in that respect, we can create custom uh, decals that are only available through unlocking, um, which is probably the easiest way we can achieve that. So I'm sorry, that's all I have for now. Now, uh, Russ, you were mentioning you had uh, topics did, did that regard uh, community warfare? Uh, some notes you wanted to go over, or is that oh, yeah, just in general? Oh yeah, you had. Uh, it's not. Sorry, did you say an notes? update? No, you said well, you had I, an update you wanted to, to mention. Well, I just want to make sure we cover off all the things that I wanted to talk about, and we talked mm -hmm. about Clan Wave Three, right? Um, well, let me let me let you know what we got coming up because we we are at about seven forty-five, so technically fifteen more minutes, and we're at two hours. Uh, we want to do a little bit of live Q&A here, maybe 10 minutes of it. The topics that are left, plenty of questions. We don't ever get a shortage. We have battle mechs, weapons, and components. Um, we have clans, general gameplay, uh, quirks, um, and miscellaneous. So tons of questions left. What do you want to do? Well, I mean, let me go through my little bits. We covered sure. off probably half of my list already. Um and after that, we can uh, go to some of your more questions or go to your Q&A and do whatever you want. And, yeah, we can go a little bit longer, too. We don't need to shut down in 12 minutes. It's fine. All right. Well, okay. why don't you go ahead and, uh, yeah, do your update. All right. So we talked about Clan Wave 3. Um, looking for group. I don't want to underestimate this aspect. Um, I don't think it's got near the press it should be getting. So talk about looking for group. Um it's i hope to get it in the back half of march it's looking really likely it's probably the first patch in april so this will be a way for you to pick up random you know people to fill out your group put yourself up for looking for group um it should just help further with the whole community warfare even the group queue i suppose or any anywhere you group in the game it's uh, looking for group window is going to be um very useful we talked about the map situation, although I'll tell you um, the Termaline-themed map for Community Warfare is looking like it'll be March 17th. Um, March is a big month. It's actually got three uh, of the two, uh, the patch days. We're not going to have a third patch, though, so you'll have a patch on March 17th with one of those maps. And then you potentially will have, you'll have another map in April, maybe even April 7th. So that's you know, a couple maps within three weeks of each other, um, if all goes uh, really well, but, you know, within five weeks of each other, at worst case. Um, I want to talk a bit about Mech Lab. So uh, I'm happy to finally say that Mech Lab uh, work, meaning Smurfy functionality, as you as you guys describe it, uh, the work has already started. So it's we're about a week in. Um, it's, we're probably about roughly about a month away 
from being finished the work and then it'll go into test and this will probably stay in test for a little while a little longer than usual probably more like a month just to make sure but that means that you know possibly you know fairly good chance of the you know first patch in in may we'll have a new mech lab with the smurfy functionality yes the whole dragging between components etc and even a collapsible view right as we call it in smurfy where you know they're all spread out or you can collapse them all over to the one side and open one at a time that way you can see your mech fully as you're adjusting it so i think it's pretty good and then we can build from there and maybe even have you know loading of loadouts like a, actually load a file you know for a loadout um so i think it's pretty good it's and I think it's going to be a big improvement. The, all, all the upgrades is going to happen right there on the Smurfy loadout. So it's not like back out, go to the upgrades page, etc. Um, much quicker, much more effective. Lovely. You're going to love it. So that's on the way. Uh, we talked about 4v4. I already said everything I want to say about that, I guess. I, I already talked about clan versus IS tonnage. Um, I talked about the optimization that we have on the way. Um, very exciting and more frames per second we have a test we're testing right now the freeze bug so that'll have us be able to unlock the uh, mining collective again and just in general there are going to be less freezes and that means less disconnected people so it's all good uh, we talked about VoIP I think I told you about the improvements we're making to VoIP I guess one last thing I'll mention on that uh, is you actually people... nothing was touched on in VoIP yet yeah well I did talk about the um uh, there's a potential freeze bug, or well, one crash bug with VoIP we're fixing. Um, we are changing a little bit of how um, when you mute a player, it's kind of a double confirmation thing that's being cleared up. Uh, but the last thing is just as far as quality, and when I've played it, I didn't mind it. I mean, it's not super, super, super clear, but I could understand what everyone was always saying. Um, we're just trying to make sure we don't up the bandwidth too much to become too much of a deterrent on uh, you know the performance of the servers and everything I mean a lot of you guys are running your team speak three servers it's not meant to replace that it's meant more for you know pugs and everyone to talk talk to each other or for you as group members to talk to the few pugs in your group and let them know what's going on so a lot of people have kind of equated it to Xbox live quality and that's fine that's kind of what we're going for um, the next level up just one step up from where we're at is like an entire 25% um, increase in bandwidth usage. So it's not impossible for us. We we're considering it, but for now, I'd like to, you know, continue with this and uh, see where it goes. So I don't know. I think that pretty much uh, covers it. There's, you know, as far as decals, I talked a bit about that. I don't have an ETA yet. Usually, basically, it's that's kind of bottlenecked by UI, and the UI guys are working on Mac Lab right now. And another thing in that kind of realm is also the uh, multi-drop decks. A lot of people talked about, I want to have multiple drop decks. I want to have a different drop deck if I'm attacking an invasion or if I'm defending an invasion or if I'm attacking and defending a counterattack. Um, I agree with you. I want to create that. Um, it, become, it comes down to a little more UI work, which is bottlenecked on the mech lab right now. So I don't have an ETA on that, but that is something that we are definitely planning on doing so um mech lab uh decals and that pretty much finishes off my list just to throw that out there so um you know back to whatever you guys want to do
All right. We're going to do some more questions, Phil. We'll take the first one. Uh, but just a reminder, we will do about 10, 20 minutes of Q&A at the end. So a little bit of time left tonight, guys. All right, moving on to battle mechs, weapons, and components. We have Demonoth says, or Dominoth, I call him Demonoth, sorry. Uh, any plans to give Pharaoh Fibrous some love? The real cost is the crit slots, not C-bills. And in the regard, Indo Steel and Pharaoh Fibrous cost the same. It would be nice if they had different but relatively equal benefits. Right now, any 55-ton uh, plus mech that come with stock Pharaoh Fibrous, drop it and pay extra to do so for Indo. Uh, that's what the normal behavior is. Uh, it would be really nice to have roles, niches, where ferrofibrous beats out endosteel. P.S. Thank you for the Uh Case in point, just talking about this on the last podcast, and one of the ideas that was brought up was, what if you left the same weight savings for endo, or for ferro, but it actually got some type of uh, armor uh, buff from stock, so whether it's 5% across the board or whatnot. Uh, the idea was an atlas will never pick ferro unless it had something that Indo doesn't have, which is just right now, weight savings. Thoughts for us? No, I don't have really thoughts on that right now. I think I understand the question. Um, most of us will take, you know, Endo still, but, you know, not that many builds take Ferrofibrous. Um, only if it happens to kind of magically line up that it, you know, saves just enough to create kind of a particular build. Um, I understand that. Yeah, something maybe should be done about that eventually. Maybe. I don't know. That's a really weak answer, and sorry, that's all you're going to get right now. All right, the next question is directly from Traka, but there were, first of all, lots of questions directly relating to uh, the catapult geometry uh, and updating catapult geometry. But there were a lot of questions just across the board about updating uh, geometry on a lot of mechs. So while this question will focus on the catapult, uh, Russ, feel free to answer just in general terms as far as updating older mech geometry. But the question is, can we expect any fixes in the near future for the catapult extra launchers and the small K2 PPC barrels? If not, can at least can we at least have back the old LRM-15 launchers for the A1 and C1? And can we expect the return of the 140 degrees torso twist for the chassis? Uh, they were changed to 120 degrees in the past. Well, all I'll say to that is um, any bandwidth we get in that regard is um, working towards getting the last of the the original mechs um, with their mech lab retrofit. So uh, we work on that today. David B. was working on that. Um, the Jaeger, I believe, is in the March 3rd patch for sure. So that it has its mech, mech lab retrofit work. Um, the cataphract is done, uh, and it might possibly be in March 3rd as well. If not, it'll be in the next one. And then there's like another four or five beyond that. Um, quick side note, um, there's one variant of the cataphract which had, when you, you could put, it was, I think it was the left arm, you could put like an LRM-20 and an LRM-15 in it, and the hitboxes were just, ginormous like there's like a jenner attached to your left arm so that's always a trade-off you know volleys versus size of hitboxes so we've kind of determined that we'll kind of go with the the max hitbox size is kind of the srm6 lrm5 on that arm so it, it dynamically appears as you would expect it to um, but we'll probably volley from LRM-5s because I don't think people want the size of the hitboxes 
um, if they didn't do that. So that was kind of one of our debates we're having. But anyhow, those two mechs are nearly done. We're going to finish the other four or five or whatever it is. And only when all that's done and we finally have all mechs basically on an even playing field as far as mech lab dynamic stuff, we will, I guess, you know, look at, okay, what are the worst offenders? Is a catapult a worst offender when it comes to, especially in the missile capacity of the A1, et cetera, C1, where you're you know, utilizing the ears and it can fit an LRM-20, but for some reason we put three SRM-6s, you have to add extra, you know, attachments to the side. So um, we'll start to look at that, but not until we get all those other ones caught up. So I guess that's my answer. All right, next question we have is from JokerFaceKilla, and he asks, could there be either a module or quarks for lights or mediums for an extended mag or clip to help those mechs who are ammo-dependent for little boost for ammo capacity, i.e. module boost 1 to 5%, or just flat-out rounds for GOSS 1 through 5, AC20, etc.? Well, I don't know about module, but we are exploring possibility of um, expanding the quark system to include ammo um we'll be very careful with that because that's essentially like giving free tonnage but um yes we can do that with uh with the cork system or not yet we need to do a little that we don't currently support that but we've been discussing uh doing the work to support that through a cork system so uh you know perhaps you get an extra uh percentage of ammo uh for some reason it's particular mech chassis is you know, able to carry an extra half ton of ammo or whatever it is. You know, we need to work on that. But, you know, we need to explore all aspects because uh, we're a real-time game. You know, we're not pen and paper. We're not tabletop. It's not random rolls of dice. It's skilled players shooting where they want to shoot. So uh, we have more flexibility to um, create quirks that um, will, you know, even the playing field more for more chassis. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely looking at that, but more from a chassis perspective. All right, uh, next question. I'm going to actually move down to the general gameplay topic. Um, this is something that was brought up a few times in different ways. Uh, the question is from Zolan, which is, would you consider a power pool akin to a mana pool for Magic uh, users in, in fantasy games instead of the uh, heat scale or ghost heat? And where I'd like to take this, because there's a lot of questions about it, is basically... You can answer his question, but then if you also would like to touch on heat scale and what's happening currently with heat scale, AC2s, large lasers, etc. Well, yeah, I guess I don't really know for sure where he's going with that. Um, I think I kind of understand. I guess I, the way I'd answer that, though, is just, as you can tell, we're kind of analyzing the whole system. Um, a lot's changed. Uh, I admit I'm definitely adverse to just sort of like just flat out turning it off. I don't think what anyone really truly understands what they're asking for when they say that. Um, you're going to have a lot of um, crying, you know, which some mechs will very effectively be, you know, putting like 60, 70 pinpoint damage, you know, on a, a particular spot. So that's a really hot topic and there's a lot of opinions on it. I guess I'll just say, Obviously, you should take heed in the fact that we're reassessing all of it. You know, essentially, we've took we've already taken off heat scale and AC2s, as you know, all forms of AC2 
Um, right now, we've dialed back heat scale on large lasers to, on the inner sphere side, to um, you can fire three without taking on heat scale. Um, we're just going to take it incremental, folks. That's not, you know, please be patient with us. I think the last thing we want to do is just blah, turn it off and just watch the chaos that ensues and try to find a new balance. At least now, love it or hate it, it serves some form of purpose and it does kind of have settled into some sort of symbiotic kind of relationship, right? So as we, if we chip away at it, we just need to chip away at it slowly and surely and methodically and not just, you know, cold turkey this thing. So let's let's try out the large lasers. We'll probably try something else out here in the next little while, maybe even next week. And then maybe the large laser change for IS becomes permanent, you know. And then, you know, we're always testing it one to two things. And then if it works out, one to two things is becoming permanent each patch. I think that's the best way to go with it for now. And, and I think, you know, in the end, who knows where we end up. Uh, maybe most of it's turned off. Uh, maybe some of it remains. Maybe it evolves into something a little bit different. Um, happy to hear what everyone has to say, but I just want thoughtful feedback, not just like it's gay, turn it off. You know, like uh, that's that didn't really help. Um, let's, you know, let's chip away at this thing and let's find, um, let's find the right spot. Our next question we have is from uh, Karate Kid 16. He says, "When will we see non-Omni Clan battle mechs, such as the 2C variants or the Kodiak?" Uh, 2C variants, I, I like a lot. Um, I think there's a good chance you'll see that stuff in 2015. I'll just leave it at that. That might seem like a long ways away, but you know, we we have this Clan Wave three pack is going to be delivering in the uh, summer. And then, you know, it might be cleansed or, you know, in a sphere turn. But I think you'll see some of that maybe in the fall. You know, it's just, just like rough, throw it out there. But um, like I said, we've opened ourselves up to a 3052, which really includes that now. So, um, yeah, it won't be long, I don't think. I'm excited about 2C stuff. All right, next question is from Kinnock. He says, is it possible to have enemy mechs listed in the team screen once they have been spotted when you hit tab? This will add a bit of uh, role warfare to scouts and light mechs. And then, actually, you can segue into role warfare if you'd like to discuss it at all. Well, I'll just discuss that. I basically, I've brought that up a few times to people, and I'm going to, like, Paul, why haven't we done that yet? I said we should do that. Um, it's just one of those minor things that I think makes sense, and I think we should do that. Um, if Max being spotted and the red, you know, targeting reticle has been passed to your teammates, then you know what that mech is. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about it again internally, but we, we, that might be something we do. I think it makes sense to me. Um, but that's all I have to say today, I guess, about the information warfare stuff. Alistar Winner asks, can you give us more information about PVE? You recently tweeted um, stuff about PVE as well. Yeah, um, I definitely want to see some reasonable um, progress on this in 2015. Um, we've already started. We've started in a very you know, initial and basic form. We have one designer uh, working full-time on 
a brand new tutorial for MechWarrior Online. And I don't know when. I have no ETA yet for that. You know, it's going to be a little while, but it's a much more robust tutorial, much more storytelling, um, a lot more scripting. And essentially, I view this as really the you know, the framework of getting started on um, PVE content. So by the time we're done this tutorial, it'll have significantly more triggers and, you know, just all the single-player-esque type stuff. And that'll be the starting point again. So once that's done and released and part of the install and the tutorial that people experience, we'll take that and then work on our next phase, which, for example, might be um, one versus zero PVE missions into the community warfare environment, um, you know, the community warfare map. And maybe that starts out simply with you and your flamers, your, you know, beloved flamers and machine guns against infantry, um, uh, tanks, helicopters, and that sort of thing. And then graduates to enemy max and so on. It's going to be like everything with Mech Warrior. It makes a lot of sense. It's going to be incremental process, but um, I'm, you know, I'm reasonably hopeful we'll see that upgraded tutorial by. Oh, geez, I won't. Mm, in a while, and then maybe maybe by late in the year we see um, a step beyond that tutorial with some initial. Uh, you know, PVE content, initial legitimate PVE content. So that's as, as much as I dare throw out there right now, but, you know, working towards it as best we can. And and then, you know, from there, just go, 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 you know, just bigger and, and more full, you know, PVE experiences. And on, all along the way, we're not going to lose sight of our, our PVP game, which is the core of our product. And we're going to continue to work on that. And that's never going to just be like, okay, that's done, leave it alone. You know, I, I don't see that happening. It's just going to be, um, it's all it's going to be worked on. All right. Uh, next question is from Dusty Skunk. Uh, Dusty asks, will we see another large tournament like last year? And we're assuming that he's referring to the IGP tournament, an official tournament. Um, and then along those lines, also, you've got the new community manager starting. Any word on just uh, player run tournament and league support along with that? I want to do it. We will do it. I don't. I all I know is you just said it. We got a new community manager. Paul's been working lately, also at how do we support more of the non-official tournaments. Um, same thing I've said a few times. I, I feel like we need to uh, work on those tools a little bit, but you know those spectator tools and such, which is you know just not a priority. We've been working on community warfare, as you can imagine. But, you know, we did one tournament with the tools we had, and they're a little bit better than we were then. So um, I think we just need to bite the bullet here now that we have a community manager and just create another tournament. Even if it's like, you know, like the last one, just like the second version of it, seed a little bit better and just just do it and, uh, you know, build from there. I mean, I want to have kind of a legitimate tournament, you know, like a tournament with a cash prize that and we're never going to give away Dota money, but even if it's some... Um, some decent real money and uh you know just i think we have a great game as far as you know it's it's incredible to spectate um we have amazingly skilled players it's very fun to watch as far as from i mean obviously beauty's in the eye of the beholder like what players like 
Um, but I mean, for me, I think our game spectates as well as any game. So I've, I've long desired to promote that more and, and, you know, have a much more uh, serious online streamed, you know, tournament scene. Um, it's just difficult to, to, to focus on it. You know, you know, players want us to, you know, we had to get community warfare out. So as you can imagine, up until now, there's really been no window for it. Not before our main features are were complete, you know, community warfare and so on. So we're always going to be fighting, fighting that battle. But I think we need to, we need to just sort of suck it up and have a, uh, you know, another official tournament with official prizes and, uh, and do that pretty soon. Well, speaking of which, Russ, uh, obviously last night with Mech Stabs and Beer, um, Paul actually talked about that in length. So for those that are wanting to hear uh, Paul's uh, you know, answers, which he was very excited about as well, make sure to listen to the Mech Stabs and Beer episode from uh, last night. But uh, we're going to go ahead and skip forward. I know there was a lot of questions about quirks, but uh, Russ has also stated that he wants everyone to sit on it, play on it for at least a week before really diving into that. Obviously, there was a lot of changes, which is also unique. Uh, Russ, um, I've been sharing some uh, interesting feedback. We've had people that were up our arms about changes, but then on the flip side, next thing you know, the reporting success with the changes. Uh, do you just want to touch on, you know, sort of sometimes the 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 players' reactions and your expectations, like how, how does how do you balance that? Well, I guess I'll kind of go on both sides of the coin here. I mean, the one side, I definitely say um, that we we made some significant changes, and I felt like we had to kind of close the loop on a lot of work we did on the quirk system to get those out and finished and i think there's a lot of people that are willing to declare things doa before they even try it and i understand the you know the concern over relearning mechs or even if you bought modules and things that maybe aren't don't pertain to that mech anymore so i'm kind of coming for this from both sides and the one hand i'm saying well let's not say it's done or it's crap or it's doa because i think now we're seeing I was in a few matches today, and I don't play anywhere like you guys do, but um, boy, the, the 9Ss were still around. I mean, there was still a lot of them, and they were still damn tough. Uh, I don't know that we really changed a lot. Um, I think there's plenty of people reporting that the 6K is still pretty damn good. Um, the 9S is pretty damn nice. And, uh, you know, we're seeing things like the 9SE and a lot of other mechs becoming tougher and more viable. So, um, there's that. I think I think people were a little too quick and harsh to say they're DOA, they're crap. I'm not sure we really want to live in a world where there's literally... If, if you live in that world, then it's a myth that you'll make all chassis viable. Because in that world, to those people, there's only ever one, two, three viable chassis, right? Because if one's even a half a percent better than another one, the one that's a half a percent worth is a piece of shit and they only take the other one out. So that's kind of my rant on that side. And then the other side, I'll come back and say, I appreciate all that. Like, Oh my gosh, I just mastered this Mac and got the modules. I feel like we finished those quirks. They're out there now. We're analyzing them. 
I'm committed now on the Intersphere quirk side to not be as extreme, to sort of um, be much more incremental at this point and make the changes smaller and to communicate them ahead of time more so. Um, there are some mechs that don't have quirks yet, significant amount of clan mechs, of course. So what these comments, the incremental comments, really uh, pertain more, more to the... Uh, the Intersphere mechs, like all the Intersphere mechs that have a full pass on quirks, we're going to be more careful and much more incremental how we move forward with those. Um, so, you know, it's tough. We gotta, we have to learn to not, you know, a lot of the changes for Phase 2 was based on player feedback. Like, if you, you know, Phil, you'll probably sympathize with me. When the 6K first came out, they're like, the main feedback was like, what in the Sam hell does large pulse lasers have to do with the Wolverine 6K. This is crap. You should make them more about the stock loadout. So we did a lot of work to make them much more associated with the stock loadout. And then it's like, you just killed the 6K. So that's kind of what we have to deal with on our side. You know, I hope that you guys can appreciate that at least a little bit. So we finished what you guys did, you know, kind of like, hey, here's a, now a full set of quirks that kind of are much more associated with the you know, kind of more canon stock loadouts of these mechs. Now we'll analyze them and we'll be incremental and we'll make the changes we need to, uh, to, you know, from here on out, they'll just, they'll just be much more, I guess, slow and thoughtful and incremental and, and based on player feedback rather than, um, I guess the overwhelming masses of feedback that come out kind of when you do a, a large pass. It's interesting because when you're talking, you have some people that are saying, stop listening to the idiot people. And then you have people that are saying, stop listening. Those type of people that are saying, don't listen to those people. Um, to sort of go on to quirks, uh, you know, one thing we've been talking about is you guys are going to be implementing stuff that doesn't just involve weapons, though, in the future. And that's something that a lot of the players have been asking for, stuff like movement quirks, positive, negative stuff. Um, obviously to help sort of uh, make some of these viable, but you're not necessarily boosting the damage and output and stuff like that. So or should we be expecting those? I think you tweeted out, you know, possibly within March. Well, I think in the March 17th patch, we'll try to get, uh, we're going to try to adjust for Intersphere Max and for Klein Max. So obviously the Klein Max will be much more significant because they don't have, they have very few quirks at this point. Um, the inner sphere max will be more incremental. So um, we'll try uh, to maintain a cadence where every month, at least once a month, like one patch a month, there's, um, you know, a handful of mechs, maybe, you know, two to eight mechs are getting their quirks adjusted and tweaked based on, you know, what we think the game needs. Um, yes, that's all I have for now on quirks. All right, guys, we have been going, more importantly, Russ has been going for well over two hours. It's two hours and 15 minutes so far, and this is after his work day. So what we're going to do is wind up. Unfortunately, we didn't get to cover all the questions on the dock, but what we're going to do um, is post questions. Well, Phil, you want to take, what What do you want to do? You have a specific um, way to I do would it. just say, just to, if you have a question for Russ, just uh, put at NGNGTV, and we'll do our best to grab them and ask them. Yeah, or Russ, you can just watch the chat. Um, we'll do this for 10 or 15 minutes until Russ can't do it anymore. He's getting tired, so bear with us. Uh, if there's any questions that you that weren't answered, then uh, go for it now, and, and please try and keep the questions legit. 
<laughs> Here they come. Uh, one of the questions was, uh, would there ever be a, a penalty for clan pilots targeting multiple mechs? Uh, you know, so maybe their weapons aren't as affected because they're targeting multiple mechs and shooting them. Start again, please. <laughs> Phil, you trying to find it? I'm turning slow mode on even more. Hold on one sec. Yeah. We have like 700 people watching, so you know. Wall of, of text coming in, so we're trying to do this. This is the first time we're doing this, guys, so. Uh, our yeah. collision's coming back. Yeah, there's a fast one, huh? Yeah, sorry, I was just um, a little distracted there. Something distracted me, so I'm ready. Collisions, any word on collisions? No, um, no, uh, it's tough. Basically, I got I got a couple guys that can work on that. Uh, Nima, in particular, is one who's working on looking for group tool at this point. He then he has an improvement to laser hit detection that we want to work on, and then when that's done, maybe we'll get him to work on collisions. And unfortunately, it's just still in that kind of category of like, you know, we'll work on it. But it's it's really cool. It's really important. But it's probably not more important than, you know, all the features we've worked on before that. You know, so I want it more than any of you. Okay, maybe not more than maybe some of you guys, but I want it. Um, we're going to work on that as soon as possible. So that's all I have on collisions, guys. Sorry. All right, next question. Uh, what's going on with the stock-only queue, or I think you said checkbox in private matches um, that you did with the Urban Mech Cell? You said if we reach it, um, stock mech option in private matches. Yeah, um, I don't think we've... Uh, I mean, Urban Mech has been, i say, pretty successful. It's... Um, I don't know. Thanks for the reminder. Um I'll give that some thought. And, uh, you know, I guess we're only, believe it or not, we're only about, what, six weeks or so to the, is that right? Yeah, I guess so, to like Urban Mech time. So thanks for a reminder. I'll uh, follow up on that, see if we can, if, if you know, if it's viable at this point. Uh, someone was asking about uh, some of the clans, the actual factions themselves, like the Nova Cats and all of the other ones. Um, do you have any plans on implementing some of those soon um, into the, you know, invasion area, or are you just sticking to the ones that are there right now? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think it's obvious that, you know, that would have to happen. We'd probably have to work that into, you know, like a reset type environment. Uh, it's not imminent. Uh, I wouldn't say it's before summer, that would be a little too much to ask. But will we see it this year? I mean, I'd, I'd like to say yes. Uh, maybe more in the back half of the year, though. Sorry, it's the best I can do for you right now. All right. Cockpit Island, when? And how? Good question. I don't know. Every time we have a weekend sale or a weekend event, it gets brought up like every time. Like, hey, maybe, you know, we could give away the cockpit item now. Or we could sell it or do whatever. And uh, every time I just kind of check it out and say, eh, no, I, I don't know. 
I, I don't know how to treat that thing. It's kind of a weird, uh, <laughs> it's a weird cockpit item. And, if if inspiration um, comes to you, maybe we'll see it. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't even know who wants it. You know, it's a few people might want it. A few people might still use it as a. Well, it's mad. in it's in game know. right now, so I mean, you put it up. I mean, if they yeah, sell, they sell, right? Game on like ten computers on the earth, yeah. basically. Right, you guys have it. I've got it on an account. Road Beer has it. <laughs> I've only got one though, and I have like two. I don't know how many Macs, so you know that that's another reason. All right, next question. All right, next question. Uh, this got brought up last time, but uh, we still haven't seen it. Clan Hero Max, when and why? Yeah, why? Yeah, why that's not? a tough question. Um, I can honestly say that we have, we still have work to do there. Like, we're not really sure how to handle a you know a Clan Hero Mech. Um, and with the Omnipod system, kind of changes things, obviously. Um, you know, on the inner sphere side, you know, if you have a hero mech, it is what it is. You know, it's 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 loadout is what it is. And on the clan side, the only thing that really truly defines what variant you're playing is the CT. So, you know, it, it's harder to find as much value, I guess, for a clan hero mech um, as as on the inner sphere side. But that's not like official. Like this is why we haven't made one yet. That's probably you know why it's been a little slow to get to them um and it's tough because you know i want to do champions i want to do heroes because we have all these weekend events and so far we're just giving away like inner sphere champion mechs and stuff like that and it's not because we're focused on inner sphere it's because we have champion mechs on the inner sphere side we have those things and so we we use those um if i had those on the inner, on the clan side then we would use those there so um, we just have to bite the bullet and focus on it and figure out exactly how we're going to handle. Um, champions are easy. Obviously, we should maybe just get started by doing that. Um, they're not unique hardpoint configurations, as you know. They're just XP, so we could, you know, we could start putting out champions with some clan mechs um, relatively easily with a particular loadout on a particular variant, and you know, people can modify from there just like they do with uh, champion mechs. But even that is a little bit interesting because. You can basically create an extremely different build from what the champion mech is, and just keep the CT around. But you've got the you know 30% XP bonus. So uh, clans and Omni uh create a very interesting problem for champions and heroes. So that's it's just a difficult problem to handle, especially when you're all busy like we are. All right, next question. Um, when are trial mechs going to be updated? Uh, relatively soon. Uh, we've got some new trial mech designs, uh, but we have to update the loadouts and the database and then put them out. So maybe in the second patch of March is the chance. Um, maybe just after that. I mean, next month or two. Um that's you know that's as accurate as I'll get, but I, I think we're gonna be able to you know give some new trial max here relatively soon. All right, another question um, for the package tomorrow. If I put thirty dollars to lock in for the early incentives, will I still get the variants for the other chassis I upgrade later? No, um, that's the one thing you don't get. Um, 
if you buy in early like usual, you get all the monthly rewards, just like always. But the fourth variants are only for those that buy in February and only for the packages and tiers you buy in February. Um, yeah. Sorry, that's just that's just the way it works. I'm just going through the questions right now. Uh, let's see. Somebody should, if I think my chat's like just scrolling by, just one second. We're almost done, folks. Wrapping it up here. Uh, Super King Deck asks, uh, mech skill tree could use some variety. Uh, could the mech quirks be something unlockable? Well, that's a cool idea, isn't it? Um, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Um, I've always felt our game could have used a lot more gating. You know, all across the board, you know, more gating on when you can do double heat sinks and ferrofibers and endosteel and quirks. Um, but, you know, we kind of made our bed with a lot of those things back when we were, when we did them. But, you know, quirks is interesting. I, you know, there's nothing, nothing says we can't, um, you know, do all those things again, you know, like uh, readdress all those things I just mentioned. I'd love to add more gating to the game, I guess, to answer your question. But, hey, once again, you know, MechWarrior Battletech is one of the most complex games on planet Earth to balance. And um, you can more naturally gate a lot of those things on the inner sphere side. Uh, but all you're doing is making it even harder for them to compete against the clans, which pretty much just have those things out the gate. So um, it's always kind of tough to deal with that aspect. Um, great idea, though. I personally like that aspect a lot of, of gating technology. Uh, you know, tell people have unlocked it and earned it, and you know, give players a much more of a reason to brag in game. Um, we got a question. Uh, any discussion on reducing shell count to make the uh, clan UACs more viable in smaller quantities? Yes. Um, I'm, maybe shell count, but I think the more logical thing to do is to look at velocity. Um, it's been rightfully pointed out that if you know the if the clan UAC twenty is going to fire. What is it? Five shells. Um, five shells at four damage each, which means that they basically they do less damage than an AC5 shell, so they should be traveling at least the velocity of an AC5 shell, right? And right now they, they might travel at the velocity of an AC20 shell. So I think the first thing to look at is the velocity that the shells are moving at because they do less damage each. Um, so that's I think that's where we're going to start. And I've been talking about that in my head for at least two months now, so I need to get to it, but as you can imagine, we're just trying to chip away at this balance thing, and uh, I make a change like that, then it sets me back a ways as far as, you know, clan clan power, so um, you know, we got this latest round of clan quirks or Innisfare quirks in, but um, we've got this tonnage thing now, which I mentioned earlier, so that's I can, we can work with that. You know, that can basically simulate a 12 b 10 kind of situation, I suppose, in a way by giving a few more tons to the inner sphere side. Um, but that really, that's a community warfare thing, right? So in public queue, 
that doesn't come into play. But then generally we kind of have an equal number of clan players and industry players per side, so it works out fairly well. So there's lots of challenges as usual. It's, I swear I just want someone in the community one day to kind of raise their hand and say, I mean, you know, nothing's perfect in MechWarrior, but MechWarrior Online, but it's got to be like among the hardest games on planet Earth to uh, to balance. <laughs> Thanks to the freaking clan invasion, eh? I mean, if we just would have announced MechWarrior Online 3025, you know, to kind of follow, <laughs> it would have been so much easier. It would have just been Hindsight. way easier. We really took on a big challenge here, though, to kind of truly be the first game that kind of took this challenge on. You look at past products. I mean, I've said this before, but, you know, even if it was MechWarrior 3 or whatever that had Intersphere and Clans, they, they, they basically were at a timeline where they gave the, the Intersphere, like, you know, full tech clan technology um, for very obvious reasons. So, and we definitely bit off a lot. Um, and it's hard, but I think it's pretty cool too. At the same time, what we're seeing um, with you know in community warfare and in intersphere battling the clans. All right, we've got right, the. Hold on, we got we, we got two we got two and one. Paul and Mike are asking if they can have tomorrow off. All right, <laughs> there we go. That's the final question. Oh, sorry, what was that? Paul and Mike want to know if they have, can have tomorrow off. No. There's your answer. All right, guys, this is over two and a half hours. This is the longest town hall to date. Um, so right away, uh, if you guys, if any of you have missed this town hall, uh, Zeese is kind enough on the uh, Outreach HPG Reddit to have show notes, has all the questions, all the answers, linking in chat right there. Go check it out. This will also be available here on Twitch. It'll be available on our YouTube uh, channel either later tonight or early in the morning and then it'll also be available uh, on soundcloud for your podcast feeds anyway whoo thank you russ that was a long night totally appreciate you uh hanging in there man yeah thanks everybody thanks for your support again appreciate it um i think you know 2015 is gonna be an even better year than 2014 so thanks for all your support we'll try to uh, continue these and new community manager, you know, more interaction uh, than you've been getting. And uh, yeah, I, I, we want to look at tournaments and we want to look at more. Uh, we'd love to have a big official event in 2015. Hope some of you guys would be willing to drive, um, fly to some sort of big event um, somewhere, you know, maybe PAX prime in September. I don't know. Uh, maybe not, you know, somewhere in the city, um, love to get that thought percolating. I'd love to have a big event, maybe the biggest yet, um, bigger than the launch event, just a, a big deal. We just want to be a big deal. You know, we all feel like, you know, we here, love, here. This, love this game. So let's all get together and have a great time. I'd love to do that. Hell yeah. Oh, and by the way, congratulations on 15 years to PGI. Yes. Thank you very much. It's uh, not an easy thing to do in this industry. So I appreciate that. 
All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I'd like to say a big round of applause to Russ. Thank you again for taking the time. You sound tired. You need to head home. A big thank you to all of our guys behind the scenes. Again, Wingbreaker and all of the guys like Z-Spot behind the scenes helping things. And, of course, Darren, uh, the uh, the other guy in the room. Thank you, uh, Mama Bear. And, of course, all to you guys out there. Hey, if you are new to the channel, make sure to hit that follow button. We do town halls here with Russ. We do uh, roundtable discussions. We do mech porn daily. We pretty much do everything revolve right now or around MechWare Online or Mech Commander and stuff like that. So anyways, I just want to say thank you again for hanging out. Don't forget, if you don't follow us on Twitter, make sure to do so. That way, you know, when we go live, when we go, uh, you know, on air for certain events like the Town Hall or for just regular gameplay. Uh, sometimes Twitch, actually even today on today's earlier Twitch stream, didn't send out an email notification. So if that's what you rely on, you would have never known. Uh, make sure to also check out our content like the Max Devs and Beer podcast. And as well as this will be on our SoundCloud and YouTube channel within the next few hours. At least Max Devs and Beer is already on there. So I just want to say uh, go go listen. You'll get a lot of uh, Paul's info uh, is what he thinks. Solaris was even mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I know some of those Solaris questions uh, for uh, Russ today. I'm going to direct you towards the Max Devs and Beer episode. Anyways, guys, this was another town hall meeting with Russ Bullock and Darren. We'll uh, see you guys uh, next time, and have a good night. Be safe. We'll see you tomorrow for some more MechWarrior online action. Until next time, MechWarriors, peace. Good night, everyone. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube at No Guts No Galaxy TV, on Twitch at NGNG TV, on Facebook at No Guts No Galaxy Podcast, on Twitter at No Guts No Galaxy, on iTunes at No Guts No Galaxy, or via your favorite podcatcher with the RSS feed at feeds.feedburner.com forward slash NGNG. It'd be best if you avoid me, but I know you probably can't. You sense something is wrong with me, you can feel it on my skin, but there is more. Just a little off The truth is at one time I was But now I'm a robot Forever